When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> over but we have to go back down the hatch it's the lost rewatch podcast here on post show recaps talking about season six episode 15 across the sea as a final season prologue kicking off our lost final season podcast coverage your uh, episode order your feed does not deceive you we are indeed doing across the sea before we do lax mike bloom well, I- I'm intrigued to say, Josh, that you don't feel like we're deceiving because we are men and men do corrupt, right? We do deceive. We do betray. So I feel like that's just within our nature. It always ends the same. With two skeletons lying in a cave assumed to be romantic partners when really it's just a mother and a son. Yes, very, very strange. So we are watching Across the Sea as our very first episode of season six as threatened throughout down the hatch <laughs> lovingly don't, threatened you know don't tell us we don't make good on our threats i know it's we just, don't you know it's, it's some, a loving we, threat though it's like saying you know like hey i'm gonna hug you don't make me hug you and listen, then you hug them mr robot would tell you that that can be fairly ominous those i words. suppose that's true uh but uh yeah in the case of of this one uh, we we warned you along the way that Across the Sea would be the first episode we watched for the final season. We have made good on that promise. We are talking about Across the Sea here first. Uh, this was uh, a, a thing that I did when I last rewatched Lost. I put Across the Sea as the first episode that I watched in season six back when I was rewatching this at the start of what was it? Was it, uh, gosh, 20. 2019, like the very, very, very beginning of 2019, uh, when I went back and watched the show uh, for like the 10,000th time. But like, I think uh, one of the, if not the first time I went back and watched season six all the way through, 
across the sea being where it was in that original episode order just was not something that ever really played well for me, sat right with me. I hate its positioning in the season. So I just wanted to see if it would play differently or if the season itself would play any differently by moving the episode order. For me, it did. It was a big part of what got me really jazzed about Lost again. Uh, Not that I was never not jazzed about Lost, but jazzed enough that I would want a podcast about it each and every single week. Um, So that was part of like the DNA of wanting to do down the hatch to begin with was this idea of doing across the sea at the start of the season. So like it or hate it, uh, and I know that there are people on both sides of the line. I'd like to give voice to to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was always how we were going to do it. Uh, so it was not an empty threat, not an empty gesture. Across the sea, final season prologue. This is the way. Yeah, and it's really interesting. Look, we are one to futz with time travel. This is not as extreme as the nuclear option. It's just one small shift. Pick this thing up, put it all the way in. I guess we'll call this like episode 6.0 then to a certain extent instead of 6.1. And I think it serves a really unique purpose as not only a prologue for season six, but I think a really interesting weaving between seasons five and six. Season five is the Jacob episode that introduces not the concept of Jacob, but, you know, Mark Pellegrino. It's the first episode to feature Titus Welliver uh, in the form that we see him. And there's a lot of questions left as to who these two characters are at the end of the incident. And look, am I going to say that this episode answers more questions than it asks? Nope. But it does answer some questions as to who these two men are, what they represent, what they each desire, what they are coveting. Uh, I think it does fill in some of those blanks that are immediately brought up rather than where it's positioned in the season. Episode 15, uh, as we've talked about many, 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 many times, is the essentially the lost version of Terrence and Philip in Not Without My Anus, uh, which is a, an infamous South Park episode where they had this big mystery going on of who's Cartman's dad, and they purposely took a week off of the big reveal to have this episode that nobody liked. They got all these calls into the network about why did you do this? And I'm not going to say it's the exact same thing that they did here, but it was a very similar reception. We lost Jin, we lost Sun, we lost Saeed. We have to grieve with that. And, you know, Jack says that he now he's, he's really going after John Loki for blood. And now we're going to go back millennia and focus on these two guys that we've seen in drips and drabs over the course of season six. Okay, that's a choice. And this episode is certainly a choice, but I'm really excited to talk about it, Josh, because I think this episode attempts to do a lot. And I think especially as an initial episode, it sets up a lot as to what the importance and the main points and MacGuffins of season six are. Yeah, and that's why I think, like, if we're going to have it at all, and you got to have it because it was created, I think it, it makes it makes the most sense to have it here for me so that we can, like, set some of this stuff up so that we can get it. Like, I think definitely to your point, and this has been one that I have held on to as well, is it's like it's such a momentum railroader uh, to have across the sea right after we have lost three of our favorite characters in, like, horrible, quick succession um like they just go go down so quickly and we're given like uh we're not given like the the ability to like grieve with the people who are grieving them and i just i don't love that for the flow um so it's just like that that never worked for me i thought that that was a a a really a really tough call 
that the that the showrunners made um, to put across the sea where it is. But there's also just like so much island mythology that is unfurled here in this episode that matters so much to the final season of mm-hmm. the show. And I don't think that encountering it here um, upends any surprises. Uh, I think like it maybe like reshapes certain reveals, um, but I think that it actually just like gives you the information of what you are, of what the show is angling for and aiming for and trying to accomplish in its home stretch. That I think to have it now after the the cliffhanger of did the bomb go off did the bomb work and also who is this guy running around as john Locke? that i think that like getting these answers are just as like getting like follow-up on that specifically is just as pressing as finding out if the bomb worked uh it has the benefit of giving you some more information about the island but not like an insane amount of information about the island you know it really mm-hmm. gives us like what the show kind of deems as like the most important stuff about what the island is kind of comes in this episode in a way that is not that dissimilar at all from what we get in Abiturno. They're effectively the same thing. Uh, Like, you know, this is a place of enormous power that a lot of people covet. And if it were to fall into the wrong hands, it would be bad. That's what the island is. And we never get explanations for the island beyond that. Whether you want to call it a wine bottle metaphor or a glowing cave of light, it is basically the same level of specificity. Um, So I feel like getting that now and, uh, and knowing that this is like sort of at the crux of a lot of the island's conflict, a lot of the players' conflict, um, and specifically the conflict between um, Jacob and his side of the aisle, and then the guy who's going to run around in opposition to him for the rest of the final season, um, getting like some measure of like, what is that guy all about? What's yes. his deal is really, really important to me when the final season frames the John Loki side of things as a viable option, right? That like viable, like he is viably right. He may have a point. He may have people's best interest in heart. He may really be out here just trying to get everybody to defy fate and choose free will and completely go in on choice. And you do not have to be locked into destiny. That's a ridiculous thing. It's a terrible game. We shouldn't have to play it. Let's get out of here. Uh, but then he just kills Jin and Son and Saeed through, you know, through the the whole dynamite with the with the submarine. And then they give us this episode asking us to like understand what that guy is all about. And at that point, you're completely like you like you've lost me. Like there's no world in which I'm ever going to feel sympathy for that guy. If you get it at the start of the season, I think you stand a chance. Whether or not you really, really stand a chance, <laughs> or at least you stand a chance, um, I think it's at least that second thing. And so it's it's part of why I think having this here is really helpful because it's not just the mythology of the final season and like the mythology of the island that's going to inform the final season, but from like the literal character story standpoint. I think that if you have, like, the incident is effectively a Jacob flashback episode, then in many ways Across the Sea is the Man in Black's flashback episode. And I think that those two things uh, being positioned right next to each other works really well for me as far as this episode can ever really work uh, very well for me. Yeah, and that's, you know, again, a big if. Your mileage may vary. I think to your point, this is one of the episodes for the first time in a while that has really run the gamut. Uh, We have had scores as high as a four. We have had scores as low as a point one. Uh, And I I think that it really shows whether or not, you know, you buy into what this episode is necessarily selling. And I agree that I think putting this at the top here also really sets up who the hell is this guy 
and why should we care? Because let me be frank, I don't care that much about the characters in this episode. Uh, And this is something that we talked about a lot with characters like Alana and Bram and Caesar, not exactly, uh, not just the sloppiness on the execution of them, but the fact that we are five, now six seasons deep into a season, over a hundred episodes, we introduce new characters. How are you going to get us to invest in them and care in them on the same level as, you know, the John Locks and the Hurleys? Uh, They were able to do this successfully with a lot of characters in seasons three and four. But I think by five and six, when they had the end game in sight, they kind of fumbled the bag when it came to that. And to your point, I would still say that this does a better job of, I think, deepening Titus Welliver's character. And I'm glad this sets us up for seeing more of John Loki's perspectives and motivations over the course of a season. Is it great that this is an entire episode that does not feature any of the main cast members except for an archival footage the very first and only time the show does this? No, I, I still think it's a, a little bit of a, a step too much outside of what we're used to in Lost. But I think placing it here, I'm not going to say polishing a turd, but I think placing it here certainly increased my enjoyment of watching it, especially getting to see what it sets up in terms of not only the man in black's path, but Jacob's path as well. I think setting up this idea of the protector of the island and it being transferable is going to come really in handy when we get to that lighthouse in a few episodes and start to see the candidates. Uh, To have that motivation become clearer at the top of the season rather than the end of the season, I think is a really smart choice. Yeah, and I do think it's worth being clear that, like, I'm not necessarily saying that putting this episode at the start of the season, uh, like, that the important thing is that it makes across the sea suddenly, like, a, a a fully agreeable episode. It's obviously really, really divisive. I think it does make it a little bit better, for sure. Um, but I think it clarifies the rest of the season for me, and mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. Um, but as far as, like, my feelings on the episode, I think Across the Sea is a really interesting episode of television, both because of, like, the the oddness of the placement in the official episode order, uh, I find to be like this, like sort of, um, and I say this with a lot of love for the people who make the show and I apologize for projecting, but it feels like, um, like a little bit of creative panic, mm. uh, of like, you know, we got it. We got to give people the stuff and like, uh, we're going to do it now. And like, it's, it just like, it feel, it feels like, um, feels like a, like a, an, an unconfident decision to a yes. certain extent, um and uh like i'm i'm fascinated by like what the history behind the episode may have been um and not really fully knowing uh, a lot of those answers myself uh, i think it's just an, an episode that i i think about a lot and then when i watch it like i do find myself having like uh you know uh big reactions to some of the stuff laughing really hard at some of the things that are just like very obvious misses um but also being interested in like the parable um doing a lot of like fan fiction on my own that i find to be really really fun to do with this episode so it's always like an an interesting episode for me but i will say that as far as like where i'm going to land with it with like the 4.2 stars of it all i'm very up for grabs right now uh as these things often go like you and i will talk through an episode mike and uh that will help inform like how i feel about it 
right now I'm like the smoke monster. I could shapeshift. Uh, like I'm, I, I could, I could go high. I could go low. I could go medium. I don't really know exactly where I'm going to land with across the sea, but I think talking through is going to be uh, very helpful in that clarification process. Yeah, so I am not a big fan of this episode. I will oh, put- yeah, no, you're low. You're low for I- sure. I'm low on this, and I'll put this out right at the top. This is in my bottom five episodes, and I'll, I'll reveal sort of where that falls later on, because I think, to me, I agree that there's a lot of big stuff that happens in this episode, but I cannot look past the fact, Josh, that I think this is probably the messiest episode of Lost I have seen maybe since the beginning of season three or like some of those other doldrum moments. It's just that I think seasons four and five, even stuff like, you know, the other woman, while maybe not necessarily the best written, I feel like just have are very cogently written and have a very solid structure to it. I just feel like this episode is so full of holes and I understand that it's it's a really lofty prospect. Like you said, they felt like they had to answer this question, at least, as to what was going on with Jacob and the Man in Black, so they attempt to do so. But I really do feel like this is a case of biting off more than they can chew. I think while they do an admirable job of trying to ask answer questions, there are even further questions that are asked in answering those questions. I think there are some really unfortunate vagaries that are thrown in that do not even satisfy the we want answers crowd as well. Yeah. We'll talk about them. I think there are a lot of questions that, to your point, we have to fan fiction uh, our heads through. And I, yeah, I, I totally feel like this is something that felt not necessarily slapdash, but to your point, something that they felt had to get done, but maybe not necessarily something they had themselves completely wrapped around. Something I was thinking about this time around is I wonder if this would have benefited from being a longer episode. I think that what they try to do, one of the many failures of this episode, is trying to pack too much in from a chronological perspective, that we have to spend so much time with the boys and get their origin stuff and the heart of the island, and then immediately just fast forward, yada yada, through the man in black becoming entrenched in the community and finding out that men are evil, yada yada, through the well being built, and then we have to get to the good stuff uh, as to, you know, mother being killed and the man in black being the smoke monster. I wonder if having more time to see exactly what's happening would help maybe bridge some of those things that they skip over that raises a lot of questions and sort of muddies those those flowing waters as to characterization in this episode. It's it's such a it's such a mood to say the problem with Across the Sea is it's too short, and I love it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, across the Sea is a divisive episode and a bad episode of Lost, and it would be improved if it was longer. Is an awesome mood that I'm so here for. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, like, listen, I'm, I'm not saying, like, let's spend more time with these child actors, but what I'm saying right, right, is, right. This no, is these it. are monument. This is a monumental episode. This is arguably one of the most important episodes of Lost ever, I do not feel it did itself any favors by being beholden to 42 minutes to yeah. have to put in literally millennia of mythology into a 42 minute episode. I do not, you know, envy their their prospects whatsoever. And this was a Lindelof Cuse project, too. Like they knew this was so important. They put it into the two men in charge. And I do think even having just like a little bit more time, right? If this was a a streaming network, you can make this episode like 55 minutes, give it the extra 10 minutes to add a couple more scenes in. I think that could have been something that maybe would have helped as opposed to feeling restricted, being in those chains as Ricardus Alpert once was, Uh, uh, to to feel like, okay, we have to get all this done within this specific time frame. 
Yeah, so I think um I think that's fascinating. I would love to have like read the script before seeing the episode. Yeah, I, I want to see all the f bombs in the script from Damon. Well, Lindahl. that that too, but also like, does it play differently as text as opposed to as you know a flesh and blood uh you know product of television? Because I think like a lot of the issues, uh, certainly like. Maybe not all of the issues. We've talked about pacing. We talked about episode order, but a thing that we have not yet talked about, but you got to talk about it right up front, I think is, um, is like terrible miscasting. Uh, and like the, like the legendary Allison Janney, uh, being somebody who you could cite as like among the very worst characters in all of Lost. Um, and I think one of the great examples, maybe the best example of all of Lost of just like, really woeful miscasting um you know the story the story goes uh, according to to uh lindelof himself in the across the sea audio commentary as supplied to us by the great ben behind the curtain um lindelof says that we we understood that in order to pull this episode off we needed a tremendous actress when we were in the room and breaking the story we wanted someone who's intelligent and forceful and has a real presence on screen and so our prototype in the room was an allison janney type I called oh, they April stole my Webster. Twitter handle. Uh, I called April Webster, our casting director, and said we need an Allison Janney type. But just for the fun of it, why don't you call Allison Janney and see if she's interested? And hours later, she was on her way to Hawaii. She put herself in a situation where she was going through a lot of gyrations to do our show to fit it into this tiny window of availability that she had. I think that maybe one of the key mistakes here for Across the Sea is not just getting Allison Janney, but maybe getting someone. Um, famous yes. to play this character yes yes, yes um yes. you know like kind of like flying in the face of what was so special uh to use a word that i know <laughs> we'll talk about a lot in this episode no, special. Uh, uh something so special about lost to begin with is like sure dominic monaghan is uh coming off of lord of the rings success and yeah we know matthew fox from party of five and sure terry o'quinn is the stepfather uh but like these are not like automatic household names and like these people were able to just arrive so fully formed as their characters uh you know you don't have to like jacob and i certainly know that many of us out here in down the hatchland do not but mark pellegrino is jacob you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like titus welliver is the man in black he's not like uh, a household name he's not bosh yet like that dude at this moment in time is the man in black but like allison jd that's cj you know like and like if you're if you're getting somebody and i'm not even a huge west wing guy and i know that you know like when you're getting somebody who is that level of recognizability for a character like this, who is going to be the person that is going to explain to you what Lost is, what the island is, I think you want to cast somebody who will, um, who will like blend into the island. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like somebody who who is going to be the personification of the island is such a hard casting choice that I think to cast anyone of any really significant fame level is a really, really tough call. And it also sounds like, call Allison Janney, see if she can do it. Turns out she can do it, and she's on a plane a couple hours later. Like, this was something that I think needed to be really careful, thoughtful, see a lot of different people for the role. Um, I think that this is somebody who I like, could have been plucked from obscurity or relative obscurity to play this role. And I wonder how much different the episode plays if it's somebody who is not an Allison Janney type as mother. Allow me to be frank. I think Allison Janney and Mother is the worst part of this episode. And I never thought I would say in my life that Allison Janney was ever the worst part of anything. But I cannot agree more with you, Josh. I am nodding so furiously. It's like my neck was broken by Mother herself. 
I'll admit, and maybe this is just my my thing, it, it takes me out of it to watch the episode. To be like, because for some reason, my dumb, dumb Neanderthal brain is like, oh, it's Allison Janney. And this happens sometimes, right? Like, oh, Robert Patrick, the T-1000 is playing Sawyer's, you know, naughty partner. That's fine, but he's that... He's Duckett, though, right? Like, we don't even care. Is that, or, or is he... I don't even know no, if he's, he's Duckett. No, someone Hib- else is Hibbs, yeah. Gibbs, Hibbs, Gibbs. Yeah, he's, hi- he's Hibbs. Who cares? You know, like, he's exactly. in a scene. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, he's, he plays such a small part relative, but, like, this is a three-hander of an episode. And granted, uh, two of the hands are going to aid throughout the process, but, like, this is the story of only three characters. And to have her be the anchor, the constant, the entire time, I will admit, and again, this is my own personal experience, I can understand if it doesn't affect others, it it pulls me out. Because I also, unfortunately, don't think she does a great job. And Allison Janney is an incredible actress, Oscar-winning actress. I don't think she does a good job delivering the dialogue here. Uh, I don't think her, her tongue is able to speak the words in such a big, gravity-filled way than they should. Even from the get-go here, when she's like speaking in Latin to Claudia, it feels wrong to me. And again, yeah. I know that's incredibly subjective, but it just feels like maybe because I'm so used to seeing Alice and Janney in like very specific roles, it feels odd and a little out of place to see her bring her usual energy to this type of part because it doesn't as complicated and let me just say like outright bad as the character is. Uh, from a moralistic perspective, it, it's it's tough still to have someone not necessarily bring maybe what they were intending to bring when they first had her in mind. Yeah, I, I just think that the problem, like this again, like there's a like across the sea is just a fascinating artifact to me because there are so many things about it that feel off. Uh, not for everybody. There are definitely people. And we'll give voice to it. There yeah, are people who absolutely. love this episode. All the power to uh, you. Uh, but like, I-, I think for many people, uh, this is among the lower tier episodes of the show and certainly like one of the odder episodes of the show. Oh, I, uh, I wish there were otters in this. There is a giant turtle at one point. Which, appara- like which apparently is an outright Stephen King call out. Apparently in the very last episode of the, the Lost podcast with Lindelof and Cuse back in the day, they said that was a, a like a blatant shout out to... Obviously, turtles play a role in the uh, the Dark Tower, and obviously, the turtle with the world on his back in it. So, it was their call out to Stephen King. Um, that's great. Uh, but there are there are there are obviously like things in this episode. There are things in and things about this episode that uh, you could you could point to for like why this one just like does not does not feel right. Um, and I think it's like placement is one, the casting of mother is the other. And I think like that's how I would I would prefer to frame it, you know, over like it's Alice and Janney's fault. I think it's more like the casting of mother. Yeah. Uh like you it, you, like, you talked about this with Brad William Henneke as Bram, right? It's yes, this idea of like yes. Lost has done such a legendary job of casting up to this point. Like sometimes there are a couple misses there. Uh yeah, well I think like it, as far as like uh you know like sort of like the shape of the show. Uh, it's so interesting because so much of the the front half of this show and even going into season four, uh, the casting is so strong. And then I think that like a lot of like the vibe of like the final season just like falls apart for many people 
for me, like, I don't know that I necessarily feel that way. We'll talk about it the more and like, I will feel a different way as we go through it week by week, I'm sure. Uh, cause it is an amorphous thing for me as well. Um, but like a, like an undeniable thing for me is that like casting loses it to a certain extent, uh, as like the show is starting to, to reach the end of the line. And I think that that is like the pivotal problem, uh, with this character. It's less about the specific performer and more about like, they got the wrong person, and I think that they uh, they needed to spend more time on it. Um, but then, like to your point, across the sea, should it be longer? Should it have different stuff in it? Should it be more stuff? Um, there's like you know the whole story of it and what the story it is articulating is. Like these are things that you can have issue with as well. Um, it's a problematic episode in many many regards, but I also think it is an utterly fascinating episode, and I do think that it is going to get us in to talking about the massive themes that the final season is attempting to undertake and whether or not that stuff lands successfully with you is what we're going to chart as we are heading in to the final season of the show. Mike, before we go forth into the jungle, do you have anything else you want to say preamble for Across the Sea? It's obviously, it's a lot. It's like a really big episode that we're saying. We we spend spend half an hour on this. It's understandable. It is one of the most divisive and I would say one of the biggest talking points about season six besides the end itself as to uh, the charting of the, the episode. I'm just really excited to get into it. Let's, let's also mention at the top, actually, a little bit of a perk that was announced last week that we got to indulge in this past week. Because we'll plug this at the end, but we might as well plug it at the top as well uh, before we've talked for a couple of hours about the episode. Josh, you and I had the distinct pleasure of getting to watch this episode along with uh, a, a big swarthy group of individuals, a village on its own that hopefully will not be burned down by the end of this. We got to watch this episode with the Post Show Recaps patrons. Uh, we yes. held a viewing party on Monday where we all watched the episode. Josh was able to stream it within the Post Show Recaps Discord, which you're able to get access to if you're a patron at the $10 level. Uh, we all got to chat. Spoiler alert, apologies to people who have uh, listened along. You're probably going to hear a lot of the same jokes and opinions that we had that first time. Josh and I are not that creative to reinvent the wheel or the donkey wheel, but it was a really fun opportunity, especially watching this episode for the first time with a bunch of people and getting people's opinions. We're going to try to do that as much as possible throughout the season, but if that sounds like something that might incentivize you to finally cross that line uh here's a line and you, you can come in you can put your shoes up in our house if you want to go to postshowrecaps.com slash patron uh and become a member at the ten dollar level and you'll get to watch season six with us all season long yes uh consider it patreon.com slash recaps. we would love to have you aboard it was so fun doing the across the sea watch party uh i really really loved it we haven't scheduled lax uh, it is definitely something I would like to do. Uh, so we will talk about that in the Poster Recaps patron Discord. So if you are a member at that level, uh, we will uh, we will let you know uh, what we are thinking for timing for the next one uh, if you are at that level. So uh, yeah, uh, great, great time to sign up and be a part of this insane thing that we have built together uh, for this final season of the show uh before we continue before we go forth in the jungle let's use this as our chance to say thank you to our sponsors for this episode of potion recaps our friends over at geico do you own or rent your home sure you do and i bet it could be hard work you know it's easy bundling policies with geico geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy it's a good thing too because you already have so much to do rent your home go to geico.com get a quote and see how much you could save it's geico easy Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. With that said, Mike Bloom, we go forth into the jungle to talk about 
Across the Sea, directed by Tucker Gates, written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, and aired on May 11th, 2010, as the 15th episode of Season 6, now being recontextualized for Down the Hatch as the Season 6 prologue. Yes, uh, so this is a, a big one. It's, again, only focusing on... It's, they frame it as a Jacob and Man in Black flashback episode, but it really only focuses on three characters plus some, you know, nameless red shirts who end up getting fried a la Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Uh, we're going to talk about tattooing later on, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of the rare... Ep- the only episode of Lost to Not Focus on some character in 815, or at least have some involvement in there, and it does so with three people who had never really been introduced until up until this moment. So again, big risk. Your mileage may vary as to the payoff, but big, big gamble here from from uh, Darlton. Um, so the episode begins, uh, and one of the things that I do enjoy about the episode, at least in like the attempt, something that I see in the attempt is the ways in which this episode echoes the whole show, uh, and it begins with a crash, right? Like mm-hmm. it begins with a wreck, uh, and this being, you know, some. Uh, nebulous uh, ancient time. It's not a plane crash, uh, but there has been some sort of wreck and someone wakes up in the midst of it all. It's this woman, Claudia, uh, who wakes up in, uh, in, in the middle of the sea, uh, makes her way to the island. The beach is barren, though. Uh, it is she, not she like is the not. She is not. It is not the war zone that uh, we see in the very first moments of the pilot um but it is indeed uh it is indeed the beach that she she washes ashore uh and she makes her way into the jungle to a river to a little creek i don't you know, know the if creek. it's the creek i, I, uh, I gets- think it is I, I think it's you know it'll lead all will lead back to the heart of the island but i'm pretty sure uh yeah and we should also mention here i mean you mentioned the pilot there is what the reason why something I appreciate about this episode is that there are a lot of callbacks, or I guess in this case, call forwards with where it's placed in season six as to stuff that has happened in the past. I don't know if you feel the same way, Josh, but for me, Claudia being at the creek and seeing Mother's reflection in it is reminiscent to me of the cost of living. Echo goes to the creek and sees the smoke monster in the reflection. Uh, and so I don't know if that's purposeful cinematography on on the right. part of the director, but I think if if done correctly, I think that's a one of many really fun callbacks. Yeah, well, I mean, there's certainly, uh, I feel like, uh, a decent amount of people who uh, who would who would suggest that Mother is a smoke monster, right? Mm-hmm. That Mother, um, uh, you know, may be both protector and monster, or one or the other. Like, there's a lot of theories around Mother, so to like kind of frame her in smoke monster form in this way. Uh, is is definitely interesting uh, to to have the this shot that's evocative of the cost of living. Um, so she meets Claudia. Uh, we have this like there first. It's, she's speaking in Latin, uh, but uh, but eventually we hear this like music cue that signifies that they are now speaking English. Uh, yeah, I mean, is, yeah. I mean, we see this in solitary too. I forget if I said it back then, but like it's one of my pop culture pet peeves of it being like. Talk, 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 and now the sound signifies to say that they're actually speaking a different language the entire time, but, like, come on, you don't want to read that much, right? So we're just going to have them speak English. Yeah, uh, speak English. So uh, they're no longer speaking Latin. Uh, they're now speaking English. 
Uh, Claudia is going to ask the mother uh, how long she's been here. And the mother gives this answer that is very much on the mind of the show. Uh, Every question I answer will simply lead to another question. Uh, And I think that this is so snooty to have in the episode Mm -hmm. when the episode is so close to the end of the line. I think it works better as a cautionary uh, tale, like a, a, a warning shot at the start of the season of like, just so you don't go into the final season, there's just no way we're going to be able to answer all the stuff. Uh, like, I think that that works for me, but I think when you have it here as the anti-penultimate, like, that's tough to hear this late in the game of, like, every question I answer will simply lead to another question. It's like, yeah, but you told me along the way that you're going to answer yeah. a lot of this stuff. Like, I think getting it so late in the game is frustrating. I think right at the gate of the final season is a fair time to make this, uh, to have a line like this. Yeah, so this is, in my opinion, one of the many ways why I consider Mother, and this came as a surprise to me because I didn't remember this this last time out, she honestly might challenge Susan for my least favorite character in Lost, in my opinion. And I think, much like the case with Susan, it's done purposefully. I very much think what Mother is supposed to represent, right, is this, like, mystical vague force of like you don't need to know all the answers if you did you wouldn't be satisfied or it would just open you up to danger more and it makes for what is to be quite honest an incredibly frustrating character for the entirety of the episode uh again one of the reasons why i think she is the worst part of this episode but if you look at it as almost a meta commentary from the creators themselves you know lindelof in particular loves loves to do this right like speak through a character if they're sort of using this mother to frame this idea of we're the ones that had the answers all along, but we're not going to tell you. I don't know. I kind of respect the troll move on that part. It doesn't make me enjoy the character whatsoever, but like respect to a character that maybe represents the fact that people are looking for answers. We're going to dangle them in front of your face and not necessarily give them to you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. She's a tough character. And like to be the person who's like articulating that perspective, uh, you're going to be mad at this person. And it's like one of the first things you hear from her. Uh, it's going to be hard to like get on board with this character moving forward. So she's saying, yeah, we're not- don't ask me questions. I'm not going to give you answers. Uh, Claudia's like, okay, well, I got to go find my people. And Mother says, no, 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 no. If there are people here, I'll find them. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, uh, should we take this time, Josh, to get into your one of your many fan fictions here, your head yeah, of theory course. about mother. Cause I think the, uh, specifically the, the exchange here, right. About like, how'd you get here the same way you got here by accident? Uh, I right. think really lends credence to the theory you have. Well, so like to say like lends credence is very kind <laughs> and generous. Like, so I, so like I said before, like this is an episode that I love to do some fan fictioning around. And I've joked before, uh, like, you know, like, uh, it's a, it's a, I guess it's somewhere between a joke and also between, uh, it's between a joke and also just me, like finding ways to enjoy the stuff that feels like holes in the show and me being able to just like get my, myself over that stuff is, uh, just like, straight up uh tinfoil hat fan fictioning uh things on on lost and so for me one of the ways that i love watching across the sea because they never tell you who the mother is right. uh you know she's never like actually explained to us we don't know where she comes from what her deal is where did she uh where did she grow up uh where was she before the island was she always here what's her deal uh that uh there's some there's some wiggle room if you will uh to come up with your own origin and so the origin that i have come up with for mother that works for me is that she comes from some time after Lost ends and Hurley, Hugo Reyes, is the new man in charge. Mm. Uh, and inevitably, people come to the island and other people show up. And there's some uh, some interesting people who come, people whose opinions he's you know trying to lean on and interrogate. And here comes uh, here comes Mother. Uh, let's call her Dr. Mother. And she is... <laughs> Uh, some kind of scientist who's here to explore uh, the time travel stuff, maybe is connected to the DI, maybe not. But uh, Hurley is going to talk to Mother about all of these different uh, these different things and give her the full spiel because Hurley is very free with his information trade. He's not that concerned about it. He's the one who was always supposed to lead this place through his heart. Uh, and so he's going to tell her everything. She's like, I don't believe any of that. What are you talking about? Time travel? This is crazy. And Hurley's like, no, it's not. Let me show you. It's got this donkey wheel. I'll spin it. And it goes out of control and it goes haywire and there's some sort of accident that zaps Mother all the way back in time uh and she comes to realize through events that she that the that the the protector of the island thing is absolutely a thing as she becomes the protector of the island that she comes to understand that this Jacob and man in black story is indeed a thing as she tries to resist it and shower the man in black with favoritism to make him the the one who's going to be the leader of this island and defy fate and not have to go into this horrible death spiral where he is going to turn into the smoke monster and all of these bad things are going to happen as a result and instead whatever happened happened and things play out the way that they do mm-hmm. uh but the the way that that interpretation goes is mother is from the future she is a woman of science who becomes a woman of faith and this is uh this is the origin of that character uh and that is like in my <laughs> mind in my head canon how i have made that work but also 
it's nonsense. It's like, absolute it's nonsense. I it's love total it. nonsense. It's just like me up at like four in the morning, just like typing into like my live journal, you know, my secret episode of like Lost Two. Uh, so it's it's a it's it none of it's real. None of it is plausible. It's all crazy, but it's just what I like to work with. I uh, love this idea a- though that it's like some, I don't know, like a supervillain origin story, right? Like I've been watching a lot of Spider Man stuff, and I feel like this is how every one of the Sinister Six is created is like an experiment happens but then something goes wrong and now this is like mother being her own super villain because let's face it i'm gonna call her a villain in this episode but i I would love to try to operate under this logic for the rest of the episode and try to figure this out especially with this idea of like this is a time traveling lady who has no clue what she's doing and she's thinking she's trying to like make the right choice and similar to her uh her adopted son defy her fate only for it to come back around. I mean, let's talk about one of the first choices this time traveler makes here, Josh. Why does mother kill Claudia after she gives birth to these two children? Yeah, not just kills her, but like one shots her, right? So Claudia goes into labor. She gives birth to Jacob. Then she has another uh, another child. She does not have the name. She only picked one well, name. Well, listen, listen. I, I might defend Claudia a little bit in, in the way that like I think that this is clearly from a long long time ago again not in a galaxy sure. far far away we'll talk about Tatooine later i don't think there were ye old obgyns around oh sure you know? I, don't, sure, I don't think anyone's sure. like oh you're having twins uh so i could understand why she only had one name picked up but still like pull something out of your hat lady okay like just come up with a, a name right on the fly don't be like uh i don't know I'm le- I'm less upset with her about it and more upset that like no one ever thinks to name the man in black though again we will uh, talk about We will do or not. it. We will do what no one else we'll, does. We'll we'll name the man in black uh, not yet. We're about to get there. Um but then she like uh she kills her. Uh she's like I want to see my babies and mother says I'm sorry. Uh, so that's mother's name. Sorry. Uh, she says, hi, I'm sorry. I, and this makes uh, sense, considering if Damon and Carlton uh, did not like the quality of this episode at the end or just apologizing to the fans en masse, naming one of your main I'm characters sorry. sorry, I think, makes a lot of sense. Covers a lot of ground there. She one-shots Claudia. She's going to go on and eventually say that, like, I had to kill her because she would have taken you back to those people, and those people are bad. Um that's not great. Like, nope. that does not justify murdering this person. Uh, so I think, like... The framing of this, whether you want to say the mother is the protector or the mother is the smoke monster, whoever she is, whatever role she plays, or you want to say she's a time traveler from the future, uh, <laughs> she is She is uh, who got sent accidentally back in time by Hurley by accident. He's if, probably you goes, if you want to say that, if you want to say that. He goes, oops, sorry. Uh, and, uh, you know, Dr. Sorry goes back in time. Uh, sorry, mother. Yeah, well, uh, oops, comma, sorry. Uh, no matter what you... She... She's not a good person. She's a bad person. She's she's a killer. She's killing a, a a woman here who has just given birth to twins for certainly no good reason. Uh, this is not a good reason. If she is able to do stuff, and if the protector of the island is able to do stuff such as making it so two people cannot kill each other or hurt each other or making it so that one person never ages ever again and can effectively live forever you would think that maybe she would be able to convince Claudia that uh, bringing the children to the other side of the island is a bad thing uh, and cannot happen and should not happen, or at least give her the chance before outright clobbering her with a rock. I have no great uh, justification for what she does here, uh, and I don't uh, feel like you need that. I think it is instructive to think about 
the people who are uh, the leaders of the island, Mike, mm. as potentially bad people. Like Jacob being somebody who is like a very flawed, uh, difficult person who sometimes does unsavory things, whether actively or by inaction. Um, I think that that is part of the point. Um, and I know that uh, people who are like detractors of the final season of Jacob specifically uh, would argue that like the show should like emphasize this point even more. And to that, I would say, yeah, I think that that's probably yeah. correct. Um, but I think the point stands that like these people like mother, like Jacob, and even someone like Jack, even if he wouldn't like outright clobber somebody has certainly done like his share of unsavory things and has had like a really dark life. Um, they stand in such sharp contrast to Hurley. Uh, and I think like the show's final statement is like someone like Hurley is who is supposed to lead the way. These people are anti-Hurleys. Yeah, I think that it's weird to say that this episode makes me like appreciate Jacob more, but it, it makes me, while I think the, the big to-do with this episode is getting us more acquainted with the man in black, I at least see a bit more as to like why Jacob is the way he is, which, in my opinion, stems completely from Mother. Uh, Josh, this is sides of like Munchausen's by proxy, in my opinion, or like something out of Bubble Boy, right? This idea that Mother raises these kids under all these lies, under all these suspicions, just to, like, keep them away from these people so that something might not happen. And it is deceiving. And I appreciate, again, I don't enjoy, but I appreciate the character from that perspective because it speaks to something we've been talking about so much with someone like Ben, and sometimes to a certain extent Locke, right? The idea of a means to an end an idea of doing bad things for a good reason. And again, like you said, Jacob is a character who is incredibly flawed in that he does that through both his action and his inaction. But I think this episode at least shows I 100% understand why he does that because of the person who raises him and basically does the exact same thing, right? Who right. says, I'm the person who came before you. This is everything I did. We are on the same level now. You have to follow in my footsteps. I think it totally makes sense as bad as it is why Jacob behaves the way he does, because she feels like murder is not worth a conversation. You know, yeah. it does not sit down and have a brief chatter with it. I, I think it is absolutely mother. And maybe, you know, as we see when we have the, the time jump ahead, like she says she's tired. I think it's clear by the end that she's very long in the tooth and is like, I'm I'm done with this ish. But I, I do wonder if at this point, it's just like being the protector of the island is something that has her in way over her head. And maybe, honestly, like, clouded her judgment and her ego to the point where she she can do the worst thing. She burns an entire village, murders a group of people on behalf of, quote-unquote, protecting the island. Now, look, if you put Charles Widmore's name in front of that, like, people would nod and understand. Why is this person any different? Right, right. Yeah, not really uh, is the answer. And I think, like, that is, like, the historical quality of the show all the way down the line. I mean, the others are working in service of Jacob and they kidnap kids. You know, they like kidnap people. Uh, they leave uh, a guy who uh, may not be on a list, but is certainly, uh, you know, like not hurting people, at least not yet, uh, in Charlie Pace. Uh, hangs him, you know, Ethan hangs him from a tree and this is acceptable. Benjamin Linus, who's going to go on to be the leader of the others and, uh, you know, one degree removed from Jacob is going to commit genocide. And this is okay in terms of the eyes of the leadership of the island. So until Hurley and like, I guess Jack first, 
like the people who are in charge of this place are are effectively rotten to the core. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like it's a it's a uh it's a feature, not a bug, right? That like a lot of the people who are at the top of uh of of the of the system here of the hierarchy of who's running this place are dangerous people who would say like i'm making choices for the greater good and i think that the show's final statement that they leave you with and don't explore on screen in an in an outright way until you examine it more on the rewatch and you know the character and the character's journey the show leaves you with the idea of like do these people should they be the ones in charge or should like is is like doing this stuff for the greater good is that for the greater good or is there another way a better way uh and it's like not coincidental i think that like uh a veritable monster in benjamin linus is going to be the one who gives that voice to hurley at a later point in time being like the way we've been doing this has been bad there's a reason why this is all awful all the time. It should be you. Someone like you is supposed to do this. Uh, so I think that um, I don't know why mother kills Claudia other than to like take her at face value of like it would be bad if she brought you to these bad people. But like, who are you to make the call to kill this person? And I think like the indignation that we feel towards this character making this move is righteous uh, yeah. and is exactly how uh, how. Um, how you how you ought to feel uh, given given the trajectory of of the show. We should also um, uh, mention here while we see these two cute little turnip heads sitting there. I don't know if they planned this or not. I don't know how you can, considering these look to be fairly young kids. If you notice, baby Jacob is like totally content, sitting still, just staring off, and baby man in black is like screaming his head off when he's born. And I love it. Again, it might be unintentional, but it's a great precursor as to how they think about their time on the island with, again, Jacob just being set in his ways and being happy with his lot in life and man in black always looking for something more aerial style. Yeah, uh, part of that world. Uh, so we do go years later and here he is, Atreyu, uh, as <laughs> the the young boy in black, uh, as well as young Jacob. They find this game. It's a game. Uh, you play it. How do you know? I just know. Uh, why? Why? So- why does he know? <laughs> Yeah, uh, so they're playing this game, uh, this game that uh, the the rules are uh, uh, are going to be made by the man in black for this game. Yeah, it's very much uh, a and, I win from Big Daddy, right? Yes, and so someday, Jacob, you'll get the chance to to make your own game, and everyone will have to play by your rules. And Jacob's like, hmm, let me think, we'll we file that away for later. Yeah, and uh, so we should note that, so this is technically Senate. Uh, those of us that have the complete series on DVD Megalith box set, there's some, uh, there's one box included in here. Unlike John Locke's claim, this is apparently the oldest board game in the world, and it's meaningful in that Senate is a game from ancient Egypt, that was essentially known to represent passing through to the afterlife, essentially moving the pieces. You are moving souls of the dead through the netherworld. Senate was even known as the game of passing. And uh, even like uh, when, and this we'll talk about this more, I guess, with the, the village burning scene, oftentimes Senate games were placed at the graves of dead people to sort of like symbolize the game of them passing into the next life. And so I think, not only is it a fun, I guess, uh, sort of playsetter as to where we are chronologically speaking, even though that r- remains a bit ubiquitous, but also I think a, a reminder as to what this episode is going to represent, this idea of not necessarily being able to die, but also like the, the, the overall arc of season six as well, right? This idea of moving on and passing your piece to the other side of the board. 
Yeah. Uh, so they're playing, they're playing their game. Uh, and, uh, the man in black, the boy in black tells Jacob, don't tell mother. Uh, the bib says, don't tell mom. She'll take it away. Uh, Jacob goes home to mother who's weaving tapestry, uh, as these protectors are wont to do. I hope that Hurley didn't take up knitting just to like fly in the face of this being like, dude, no, I'm playing video games. You know, like I'm not doing that. Uh, like I just hope that whatever hobby Hurley takes on as protector of the island is truly whatever he wants to be. Yeah, if it's my, tapestry weaving, then sure. Well, fine, no, fine. my hope is that that's one of those things, right? Of like, you're, hey, we're living in the past. Like, we don't want to, we don't need to do weaving anymore. We've got 3D printers for that. And so maybe that's the thing. They're 3D printing tapestries of their time on the island. But it shows here that Jacob is a terrible liar. And look, we talked about how the adult version, I think, is capable of, of maybe making certain manipulations happen. But Kid Jacob is a, a terrible liar here. Basically like, uh, yeah, I saw my brother. He was just staring out at the ocean. Uh, and mother immediately sees through it, right? She says, do you love me, Jacob? Then tell me what happened. Jesus she's Christ, awful. lady. Yeah, she's she's very, she's very, very, very manipulative. And I think like in the same sense of like, um, you know, it's it's not justifying why Jacob uh like leads with with such inaction and such indifference sometimes where he's like, what about you? Uh and like can't even like talk his way out of getting killed effectively. Uh like it doesn't justify it, but like look at where he comes from. Uh I do think like it's instructive, like his mother's the worst. His mother is like abusive and manipulative and terrible. Uh this whole like do you love me? Then tell me what happened because she just needs to control the information. Yep. As we hear in this very next scene, when the mother comes to the little boy in black uh, and is going to say, of course you found it. I left it for you. And he's just like full on lying about so much stuff about the whole across the sea from which this episode gets its title. Let's listen in, Mike. Sound number one. Jacob told you what I found. Of course he did. Jacob doesn't know how to lie. Not like you. Why? What am I like? You're special. Can I keep the game? Of course you can. That's why I left it for you. Came from you? Of course it did. Where else would it come from? somewhere else across the sea there is nowhere else the island is all there is then where did we come from you and your brother came from me and I came from my mother where is she she's dead what's dead something you will never have to worry about. Josh, years and years, over a decade has passed since this episode with people griping. We don't know the man in black's name, but after reinvestigating this episode, it's been staring right there in our faces for a decade at this point. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mother names him in this moment. She says, you're special. That was his name the whole time. His name is special. Special. A little special. 
I mean, now it, it, I am. Today's special. Look at him. I'm intrigued by the fact that if Claudia did not have a name for Jacob, what would Mother have come up with? Clearly, oh special God. was her own creation. What other new age hippy dippy crap would be thrown Jacob's way instead of Jacob? Uh, I think uh, would have come up with uh, probably something like uh, normal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's, that's the thing. It's very much actually. It's the opposite of like what happens with Scar, right? Isn't the uh, the logic behind the Lion King is you know Scar was named Scar. Of course, he would hate uh, that his brother Mufasa was named King and he was named Scar. We get the opposite right. treatment here, where this is going to sort of be the prodigal son spurning his fate. But at the moment, mother essentially approaches him, being like. Yeah, your your brother's a little bit on the slow side. You're the more talented one. That's why we named you special. Special. You're special. Uh, your brother's name is normal. And what's my mother's name? Dead. You know, like, this is just, like, what she names everybody's just, like, what's actually on her mind. No, well, uh, let's talk about that for a second, because Jesus Christ, this kid is 13 years old, and you haven't explained to him what dead means? Like, clearly you must have come across dead things on the island, Right, like a dead plant or a dead animal at some point, and you are coddling and like putting these kids in such a bubble that they still don't know the concept of death in the double digits of their life. That is wild to me. Yeah, uh, there. That's how. Uh, that's how alone they are in this. Uh, you know, in this world, uh, it's a very, very small, tight, tight world that they are <laughs> occupying because she's just like not letting them do anything. Uh, it's a nightmare. It's a uh, you know a really really isolating experience for these kids who have no concept of like effectively anything. Um, they do see death uh, as they go like chasing a pig, and they see a bunch of people, men. They know what men are at least. Uh, they see men kill this pig, and they go and they report back. Jacob and Special do to mother. Uh, and, uh, mother says, these people don't belong here. They are not like us. We're here for a reason on this island. Uh, and they're like, why are we here? She says, it's not time yet, but special wants to know. He's ready to find out. And so the mother against her better interests or better instincts is, is going to go from having taught them what death is as 13 year olds to telling them what the purpose of the whole island is. There's really no like middle ground in between. Yeah. Um, let's go to the heart of the island, Mike. This is going to be the set piece that we are building towards for the entirety of season six in sound number two. Come with me. Did you know about the people? Yes. Why didn't you tell us about them? Because they're dangerous, and I didn't want to frighten you. What makes them dangerous? The same thing that makes all men dangerous. They come, they fight, they destroy, they corrupt, and it always ends the same. They come? Come from where? Another part of the island. You're never to go looking for them. If they found you, they would hurt you. Why would they hurt us? Because they're people, Jacob, and that's what people do. But we're people. Does that mean that we can hurt each other? I've made it so you can never hurt each other. What is this place? This is the reason we're here. 
in there. What's down there? Light. The warmest, brightest light you've ever seen or felt. And we must make sure that no one ever finds it. It's beautiful. Yes, it is. And that's why they want it. Because a little bit of this very same light is inside of every man. But they always want more. Can they take it? No, but they would try. And if they tried, they could put it out. And if the light goes out here, it goes out everywhere. And so I've protected this place, but I can't protect it forever. Then who will? It will have to be one of you. Let me say before we get into anything with this, one of the brightest things from this episode, in my opinion, is the soundtrack. Uh, the yeah. music in this episode absolutely slaps. It might be, from a Giacchino perspective, one of the best standalone episodes he does. Uh, it's really, really cool. It's got like this very eerie quality to it, this like old sound to it as well. It feels very lost, yeah, but it feels it, it like it feels very distinct, and yet it feels like a uh, like. A, a tile in the fabric of the show. And also, like, uh, there's a lot of tribalism to it. Like, we didn't play the pig hunt earlier, but it goes into, like, bongos while that's happening. You even heard a little bit of that beat coming in as mother's bird boxing the children and taking them blindfolded through the jungle to get she to... is bird boxing them isn't she yeah that's a uh... oh man it meant if, if sandra bullock played mother would that be better or worse worse yeah <laughs> worse especially in worse. 2010 right because that was like the the sandra bullock height of her power so i think that would probably be like lost jump the, sh- the dharma shark they're casting oscar winners at this point instead of future oscar winners but yeah i really love what jacchino brings here uh jim fells brings up that really there is very little previously used music in terms of themes going on part of that might be because again this episode is very far removed from a lot of the other stuff we know about the show, but I really appreciate the length that Jakino goes here to make sure this episode feels different from a sound perspective. Yes. So this is the, uh, the glowing cave of light that everything has been about this entire time that we are just finding out now with, uh, how, however much time on the clock is left when this, uh, when this episode initially airs, uh, with just two more weeks of the show. Um, and I, I know that there are people who, um, who still like strongly advocate that like this should not be moved out of order. This episode should not be moved out of order. I want to uh, give voice to that. I want to give a shout out to Eric Divestein specifically. Mm-hmm. Birthday, uh, he of the birthday uh, call outs. Uh, <laughs> Is that like his uh, like medieval name? Yeah. Yes. Uh, birthday King Eric Divestein. Eric had said, "I understand your reasons for moving this episode to the beginning of season six, but I don't love how it throws off the balance." by stacking the only two Jacob heavy episodes back to back and moving some stuff very relevant to late season six much earlier. Uh, I find it at best a lateral move. Um, uh, Eric's bigger issue is uh, uh, recommending this viewing order to a first time watcher. Eric says it rearranges the reveal of 
information in such a way that it undermines the reveals and exposition in Abiturno. Uh, and since Abiturno is one of my favorite episodes, I consider this a major fault of this viewing order. It removes much of the mystery much earlier, removing some of the intrigue about the island and the man in black throughout much of the season. Um, er- so Eric disagrees with me and like my premise of po- uh, putting across the sea uh, here, uh, and uh, therefore should come as no surprise that I disagree with Eric disagreeing with me, uh, that I I feel like having this stuff here now uh, and having something that is like, Okay, so there is a literal glowing heart at the center of the island. Now I can take that off the board uh, and know that that is what these people are fighting for. And now I can focus on what has always mattered most on this show, and that's the characters. Right. That's what's going on with the people. That's what's happening with these people who have been pitted against each other by fate and destiny and and circumstance and all of that good stuff that the show has always excelled at. Um, And for for the sake of, like, talking about, like, Abiturno. Um, for me, now I can focus pretty much solely on Richard Alpert and the choices that he has to make and the and the the decisions that he's confronted with over the course of that episode. Getting all of this information here does not ding that episode up at all. And to the point that we discussed earlier, I feel like the conversation that Jacob and Richard have about the bottle plays just the same as it plays if you have it here, Mm. uh, if you have it before the glowing light, or if you have it after the glowing light. Um, If you see it like after the glowing light, then what what Jacob is talking about, what he is describing, is just like underlining something that we absolutely know is there. Um, I think it's very helpful to have this at the start of the season, because now you have like this expectation of like, all right, well, we have to go to there. And also, like, yes, it's like uh, it's very relevant to late season six, as in the series finale. Um, but we are very late in the story of the show. Yes. And so I, I don't think that it hurts at all to have this at the start of the final season. If anything, it gets you to lean in a little bit. and You're like, OK, so we have a destination that we are going to like. It almost gives me a little bit of a feeling of confidence of like, they know where they're taking us literally, right? Like we literally know where we are going to go. Um, so like the idea of like watching across the scene now and getting uh, the heart of the island, is it too early? I I feel like it's not. For me, it, it's totally fine. Obviously, mileage uh, varies and, yeah. and all of that. But for me, it's totally fine. Now, the thing that's worth maybe uh, stopping down for the closer look because we're trying to examine the episode itself, less so like the episode order, uh, Mike, is I know you're the one who is going to really be able to speak to this. You find this to be very, very hokey in Disneyland and not your favorite thing. Yeah, when I watched this the first time, I really didn't like the heart of the island because I think up to this point, as weird as some stuff may be, it was Lost felt more like a sci-fi show than a fantasy show. And I know that it's a very fine line in between, but like between everything with time travel and I think especially the stuff that we had recently experienced with the Dharma Initiative, because everything was set so presciently and we were dealing with such a big concept as time travel, I really thought like, okay, this is what we're sort of setting ourselves around. You know, weird stuff is happening, but it's more around like the freaky deaky uh, sort of like, I don't know, Doctor Who, Star Trek anomaly stuff. And then we get this episode where we say, here's a big glowing light that represents something within all men and must be protected at all costs or else the world will end. And it really speaks to me something out of like 
a fantasy novel. This, you know, uh, oh, the the central source, the light must be kept on at all times, lest it be snuffed out and the world submerged in darkness. It just feels removed from a completely different time, in my opinion, than the way the rest of the show was operating. And so especially to your point, for that to come out in like the fourth to last episode, I was legitimately like, what the hell is this? This? This is what we're, we've been, like, campaigning for the entire time? This is the power move that we're making? Is some light in a cave? What the hell is going on here? I have found a little bit more peace with it. I think putting it at the beginning of the season certainly helps in setting up that perspective. Because I think, to Eric's point, while it maybe robs the surprise of the heart of the island later on in the season, I would say, in my opinion, it was not a good surprise to me when I first saw yeah. it. It just feels so distinctly different from first glance, as to literally the rest of the series that came before it. Yes, we have had things like, you know, people being healed on the island, more mystical things, but that to me is different than this glowing chamber that resides within the heart of the island that literally serves as, like, the stoppage of a vast evil power escaping onto the rest of the world if it's not released. It, it, it feels so atonal to maybe the tone that the show was taking on up to that point. Again, I think I've grown more peace with it, and especially with the sixth season becoming more mythical, going from uh, the the modernities of the Dharma Initiative back to the sort of, like, uh, naturalistic nature of the others coming up as soon as LAX has helped me swallow that a bit more. But I'll admit, when I first watched this episode, I was like, what fairy crap is this? Where the hell did this come from? Yeah, I get that. And I think that, like, having weeks and weeks and weeks to, like, uh, consider it and process it and, like, bake it in to, uh, your, your expectations for the show, uh, it, it, that works for me better as opposed to, like, how it plays where it feels like it comes a little bit out of nowhere in addition to being, like, tonally jarring. Um, let me ask you a question about the, the heart of the island. Once upon a time, John Locke said, I looked into the eye of this island and what I saw was beautiful. Uh, he will later tell Mr. Echo when he saw the smoke monster, he saw a bright light. Um, when he, uh, we never get to see that, Mike. Uh, right. do we, do we think, uh, that John Locke in looking at the monster, uh, does the mirror go both ways, Mike? Does mm. like, does the is it can does Locke maybe as a candidate even or whatever uh, is he able to see in the monster like the monster's like uh, memory or even is the monster showing this to John Locke this beautiful bright light at the heart of the island this thing that is so undeniable that of course from this moment forward from the moment that John Locke meets the monster in the woods all the way back and walk about that there's no way he's not believing in this place he has looked into the heart of the island and what he saw was beautiful yeah so to that point i could see that because i think what i have also sort of seen from the heart of the island is my sort of headcanon is that i believe the heart of the island also has a way to tempt people in a manner of speaking, almost serving again from like a biblical perspective as like the good Samaritan test as to, okay, only the purest will be able to, to, you know, look after me and take care of me because as mother says, there's a little bit of the light in everyone. And so people will exploit it 
what the hell do you think you're doing, lady? Uh, of course, the ones that are closest to the source of the power are probably exploiting the power as well. And so yet another tick in the box as to why this character is hypocritical AF. But I could absolutely see why, you know, this, this is an ability to be able to look into this see this idea of like this is this this is the glowing center this is why the island exists and what its purpose is for and if it's trying to you know the sentience of the island is to determine who is going to take care of it next if it's trying to test someone like john Locke, much like the monster itself might test people from time to time then exposing that light seeing how it affects people's actions like for example in this scene you'll see that young jacob is sort of like Again, like the babies, just sort of staring at it like, oh, it's just a cool light to him, nothing doing. But Young Man in Black, special, is coveting the crap out of this light, right? He's looking at it like he just won the golden freaking ticket. He is absolutely eating it with his eyes. And so I think maybe it's this idea of, I don't know, the the light almost has its own candidates in a manner of speaking and presents maybe tests or things to tempt people either away or towards it to see if they are the quality of people to abuse this power or not. Right. And I, I feel like uh, you can't blame the kid. Uh, like, this kid has been denied this light uh, in, in, in very real ways his whole life up to this point, uh, that he has been so sheltered. He's so curious. He's curious in a way that Jacob just isn't, uh, that he is somebody who, like, wants to know more, yearns for more, believes that there is more to this world than the place that he was uh, born and has has been his entire life. He's Truman in the Truman Show, you know? Uh, and uh, he wants to say good afternoon, good evening, and good night to this <laughs> that's what, that's place. That's what he says to mother, right? You know, and I and I feel like for him, uh, you know, seeing this place and like getting like confirmation that there's more to this world, uh, it's like a very pure thing. Uh, and it's, it's very, it's very sad that he is, he is denied so much of this stuff. Uh, and, uh, I think like, uh, one of the things that this episode does do for me is like, it gets me on board with like feeling bad for this guy. Like of these three people, I really only strongly feel for, for one of them. I guess that there are ways in which I feel for Jacob as well. Cause he, he is such a man child, you know, like he, <laughs> He he stay like he has like a you know he's like he is the mother's large adult son right, right. like he doesn't he's, he's Buster he does, Bluth he doesn't uh, yeah he's mother boy like he doesn't go and have like the experiences that the man in black does by like going and seeing the world and unfortunately getting the light kind of beaten out of him um, because like he never interrogates it in the first place until he's absolutely forced to um, but I think that it's uh, I, I think that the episode does a good job of like selling me on like the man in black's emotional arc through this episode and uh, the way that we are doing it spiraling into uh, his greater season six arc let's let's can um, we talk for a second though about this point that gets brought up during the bird box secrets right when they're saying like uh you know you can't go find the people because they'll hurt them and i just love the line we're people just completely calling up the hypocrisy does that mean that we can hurt each other i've made it so you can never hurt each other and that's all the mention we make of it Right. What? Right. Is this a big lie? Uh, has the loophole not necessarily needed to exist the entire time? How did she make this happen? Like, what power is she really that capable of? Uh, how did she do that? How are they still able to age up to the adult side of things, but then never thereafter? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. So, like the way uh, the way the show leaves it is, it's just like the the protector can do 
uh, mystical things, right? Like they could touch you and like make you do a thing. Like they could make it so that you'll never age. We'll make it so that uh, I promise I'll never die. Like they make it so that uh, these two people can never hurt each other. I mean, you have to, at least I have to take it at a uh, relative face value uh, that this works because why else does the man in black go through all the trouble of manipulating events so that someone else will kill Jacob? I think that her, her binding spell holds. Uh, oh, so so, so one, happens, the one piece of truth she's told in her entire life with these kids. You know, like unless they never tried and they just took mother at her word and they like he should have just tried for at one point over those thousands of years uh, to do something to, to Jacob. Um, but I mean, like Jacob does hurt the man in black. Uh, very, he, very much so. He throws him into the into the cave and the man in black very much hurts Jacob by throwing a Benjamin Linus at him. So I think that like. Uh, you know, this is like one of those things that's sort of subject to interpretation. And I feel like it is one of those things that, uh, you know, not every single question needs an answer. Not yeah. every single mystery needs an answer. But this is probably, and a lot of the stuff in the final season surrounding like the mechanisms of the man in black and the mechanisms of Jacob could have benefited from um, tighter story work, I think. Mm -hmm. Just like some of the, like, it's now it's this way. You know, yeah. it's this way because. Um, feels a little frustrating. And I think, like, some of the journey uh, of uh, that I feel like I have, I have been on and continue to be on with Lost is getting myself to the point of peace where, like, I'm I'm fine with that and I'm still able to love the thing. Um, but I know for a lot of people... They're not able to get there, uh, and I can hardly blame them for it because yeah. it's very, very odd. No, um, I mean, I'll listen. I'll be, I'll be so candid as to say, I would rather have no answer than a half-assed answer, and this, in my right. opinion, is a half-assed answer. Like, do something that like shows us uh, that um, that Jacob and the Man in Black, and then whoever uh, else finds themselves in positions of like the protector power or the smoke monster power. Show us that they are capable of doing extraordinary magic stuff and uh, like undeniably so. And I will just do the work in my own head of like uh, being like, OK, so that's got to be like part of why like they can't kill each other or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this like leaning down and all but looking directly at the camera uh, and saying, I'm Daniel Faraday, uh, <laughs> looking at the camera and saying uh, like, I've, I've made it so neither of you can kill each other like it's it's a hard it's a hard one to swallow for sure. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a tough scene on top of that, which is weird because again, it's arguably one of the most important scenes in the history of the show. But again, I, I feel like the the way it's introduced, the concepts, and the way some of it's sort of like obfuscated in favor of others is not the most well done. But like, let's shine light on the fact that here it is, the heart of the island, and I also think the giant stakes are set as well. I know that we're supposed to take it with a grain of salt, right? Because we're supposed to do that with, with everything with Mother. It's a little Benjamin Linus in that perspective of like, is she really lying? Does this mean the end of the world if, if the court gets pulled out? I guess we find out later, yes. But we truly find out how, quote-unquote, special the island is, and that it's not just situated on this special pocket of electromagnetic you know, energy, but there's a very significant reason why this place exists and it needs to be upheld lest the entire globe go into havoc and turmoil if the right person isn't in charge. 
there's there's so much to talk about here, like not the least of which is that like everybody has this light inside of them is like the canon of the show, right? Like everybody has this uh, and people always want more. And if the light goes out, then it goes out everywhere. We're talking about like the end of life. Uh, we joke about a Treyu uh, with the special looking like a Treyu, but it is like the end. It's like the the apocalyptic event of the never ending story. Right? They will just be overtaken by nothing. Is effectively what's being what, threatened. So then, here. do you do you think? Uh, do you think then special's name should have been Moonchild? Yeah, <laughs> Moonchild. Yeah, I love that. Uh, <laughs> the Moonchild in black. Uh, like I think. I think that. Uh, you know, is there, you know, the the show is going to try and do like the science and faith thing to a certain degree and basically say that this light that's at the heart of the island is the electromagnetic magnetic energy, is the stuff that like the Dharma Initiative starts mining for and has always been mined for by people since effectively like the dawn of man, right? Is like sort of like the parable here. Um, I guess like for me then like just like to like connect it further, like if we're... If we're buying, which, you know, the show is telling us, so we have to accept it, that, like, in the world of Lost, everybody has, like, a little bit of sort of, like, this magic light in them. Um, Is it that, like, for some people who have, like, been to the island or who have come into contact with the island, does it, like, activate their magic light to a certain degree? Is it what gives some of these people some of their powers? Is this, like, why Hurley can talk to dead people? Is this why Miles can talk to dead people? Or is this the kind of stuff that does make one of the co-hosts of Down the Hatch groan and other listeners who are listening in as well also groan <sighs> in kind? Yeah, it's yeah. just, I mean, I'm, I literally was putting my face in my hands as you were yeah. saying that, like, this yeah. idea of, like, I don't know, it's not Mr. Rogersy, but this idea of, like, the light exists in all of us. And truly, when we activate our inner light is when we are at our fullest. And it, it, I, I guess that's what they're saying. But I've never liked that explanation. I don't know. Maybe it's because, and I talked about this with the Jacob stuff as well, right? Like, it's more interesting to me when it's just people are people. I don't think I need the explanation necessarily that the energy from the heart in the island exists in every person. And that, like, our soul is being weighed Anubis style when we go and some people pass and some people fail. I, I, I don't necessarily need that. Some people might. I feel like the subtitle for this particular episode should be Your Mileage May Vary because we keep giving that disclaimer. But yeah, I'll, I'm actually going to be really intrigued to see, especially with the placement of this episode, how I'm going to feel about the end game of the of the series, right? Like, will I look upon everything with the end in a better, for lack of a better term, light now that this has been set up? Or is it still too hokey for my tastes? We shall see. But yeah, right now, the way you were explaining it, I just could not help but have a reaction. I know. I get it. I totally, totally, totally get it. Uh, All right. We got to move on. Uh, So that is the heart of the island. We will return here. Um, So uh, Special and Jacob, they play the game. This is when he says, like, one day you can make up your own game. Everyone will have to follow your rules. Jacob will do that. Mm -hmm. And he will turn, like, running the island into nothing more than a great game because he never grows out of this man-child state. Uh, And I think that that's, you know, instructive and foundational to the characters that he is. He is the mother's large adult son. And that is who (laughs) is in charge. Um Special sees Claudia uh, and runs after her. Jacob can't see her because she's dead, but he can see. uh, The man in black can see Claudia. And to me, like, uh, this is, like, one of those ways in which, like, it's real tell that, like, Hurley is going to end up being, like, the man in charge. Because, like, we know from later on in this episode, according to, to the mother, like, 
this the man in black was the one who she was grooming for this job right yeah. like she thought that he should be the guy you were the chosen uh, one yeah uh and instead they like screw it up and turn him into the monster but he has the same power that hurley has uh that he is able to see the dead i suppose that's if we accept that she is uh she is a ghost the way that mm. hurley interacts with ghosts or is she some variant of smoke monster because we also know that uh sm- the smoke monster has this power and are we talking about the smoke monster or are we saying that smoke monsters are a thing so my theory i just mentioned this before i think this is something to do with the light of the island with the heart of the island i think this is the island tempting him in some way because look at the lighting Whenever we have seen dead characters and whenever we see the man in black impersonating people, they just seem like normal people, right? Those are the actors just like standing there doing their thing. Claudia literally has a spotlight on her as if she was in some sort of biblical painting. That feels distinctly different to me. That feels different to me than here's someone impersonating somebody else. And so I do think much like we've talked about in like the days of season two and three, right? Like, okay, when Echo has the dream about Yemi saying, come to the question mark, is that Jacob or is that the man in black slash like the island? I think in this case, this is the island. Uh, I do not think, you know, this actually is very comparable to what happens with Ben, right? In the man behind the curtain, Ben gets tempted away by his dead mother, someone he never met before to go out and essentially like find his purpose. The same thing happens here. But just the way it's shot, it feels to me more so this idea of, like, he just met, saw the light. The light's like, okay, interesting. Uh, You know, I want to test this kid. He's clearly being groomed to be the next in line. But let's see if he can deal with this information weighing heavily on his heart. Let me provide him with this info dump of things and, you know, see what happens. It just just looks different to me, I think, from a ghost or from uh, a smoke monster impersonation. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, I kind of buy it uh, at face value that this is like a feature of the island, uh, that there is like some sort of like, uh, you know, spectral stuff like this is like whispers adjacent, right? Like this is sort of what I feel like is going on here. So I I buy that. She takes him to see all the people that she came here with, that she was shipwrecked with. Uh, These people come from across the sea. There are many things across the sea. That's where you come from as well. I am your mother. Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> it's impossible. Um, all right. So uh, the boy in black is going to hightail it out of here. He and Jacob are going to cheese it in the middle of the night. Um, let's listen in. Sound number three. Why do you have all your things? They're our things. I took them because we're leaving and we're never coming back. What? Just follow me. Follow you where? To the people. No. We're supposed to stay away from them. There are people, Jacob. And we're going to live with them. No. Mother said... She lied. She lied about everything. All of it. I know you don't understand, but you have to come with me. I don't want to go by myself. We can't. Mother loves she us. She doesn't love us. Stop. It was all a lie. Stop it. She's not even our mother. No. He's leaving. He's going to them. To the other people. What? I know now. There is another place across the sea. It's where I'm from. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to go home. 
My mother. I'm your mother. You killed my mother. Jacob, she was your mother too. We don't belong here. We don't belong with her. Come with me. to know this whatever you have been told you will never be able to leave this island that's not true one day i can prove it okay so we have to talk about this the kid actors in this episode josh uh i think that the kid who plays the man in black is not bad but is uh, ironically enough, not special. Uh, <laughs> but I think that the kid who plays Jacob is is really bad in this and is at his best, actually, uh, elsewhere in the season when we see him just like kind of like uh, being like almost like Killer Bob like and just like is being like utilized in these like freaky deaky ways of like, ah, there's a little tiny kid that's scary. Yeah. Uh, I don't like seeing that like when he's not talking, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I agree that because uh, he's really not so good. I think Ryan Bradford does an okay job, especially with someone who I think is emotionally torn. But one of the reasons why I wanted to keep that initial exchange in the sound clip is because my heart goes out to Kenton Duty. He's not doing his duty here, uh, especially like hearing like the but 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 mother said it. Uh, it's just it's not great. And again, my part of it might be the writing. Part of it might be the direction. Right, like we said, Jacob is a little simple, I think, compared to his brother's complex thoughts. So that's sort of is the direction he's given in this scene. But yeah, it's it's tough. And look, I'm not saying that we need to hang an episode on kid actors, but this episode kind of hangs a bit on kid actors, right? We're gonna say goodbye to young man in black here. But he was in half of this episode that, again, only majorly hinges on three characters. That is a big risk to take. And in my opinion, with these two, it doesn't necessarily pay off. No, I agree. Um, I do want to just shout out Special for telling Mother, you're not my mom. Uh, Like, right on to this kid. I think this kid is spot on. My dad's Uh, not a phone. Yeah, so I... (laughs) They just like I want to give I want to give him props here because I do think he's great. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think we could go. We could go from from there to the next scene. So special has left. Yeah, he has gone off to live with uh, with the other people uh, on the island. Uh, and it is now just Mother and Jacob left alone, and they sit for a conversation on the beach. I love how it's framed. It feels very Tatooine. Yeah, we just need, a, uh, we just need one more sun in the one sky. One more sun. One more sun. Put Yunjin Kim in well, the Well, actually, scene. We, 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 had, we had one sun, but we lost him in the previous scene. 
Yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. Oh, well, we have two suns. We got the sun in the sky and then Jacob. So that counts. Uh, so it is like Tatooine. Uh, they're going to sit down. Uh, and this scene is, uh, is so uncomfortable to me. Let's listen in sound four. Do you think we'll come back? No. You said you killed our mother. Is that true? Yes. If I had let her live, she would have taken you back to her people. And those people are bad, Jacob. Very bad. I couldn't let you become one of them. I needed you to stay good. Am I good, Mother? Yes. Of course you are. And why do you love her more than me? different ways. Will you stay with me, Jacob? Please? answer ever i'm not i'm not a parent uh and i know that you don't tell your kid when they ask why do you love my brother more than me you you say i don't yeah i don't love your brother more than you what are you talking well, especially about? the way that allison janney delivers it and again I, I imagine that's direction she stutters through the line right she says i i, yeah, she's I love been you. caught she's been caught because he's right that's yeah, obviously a lie and i'm so surprised I, I for sure i for sure love your brother more than i love you is like what she like is actually feeling uh and like not to say that that might not be realistic unfortunately uh but it's just awful it just makes the character awful she's terrible she's a horrible person horrible mother but, it, terrible but it's mother. also she, like but it's also coddling as well right especially that stuff about like oh i i couldn't you know, show my bad boy to the bad people. I needed you to stay good. You're my good little boy. You're going to stay good. My and, precious, sweet little boy. And you can tell this is the mother sort of like turning the wheels in her head. Like, oh, crap, the number one choice just left. I guess he has yes. to do now, though. I'm going to try to hold out for as long as I can until he becomes Mark Pellegrino. And then I give him the Pellegrino in the in the flask to drink and become the protector <laughs> of the island. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. It's a big manipulation. Uh, and it's it's like you said, it's uncomfortable to watch especially knowing that it's like of a of a 13 year old child as well and not only that but like someone well, who she was, kidnapped yeah, she kidnapped yeah, this someone kid. who was kidna- she murdered murdered his murdered his mother and kidnapped him right it's very much like uh ben and alex right you know alex was another kid that was kidnapped after uh after she was born and essentially raised to be believed to be this person's child and to be conditioned that's really what it, what it is is that he's very sheltered and so from that regard she really is just like feeding him full of lies so that even when the person he's closest to in his life, his own flesh and blood is saying, don't believe her. She's like, no, 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 my sweet child, please believe me. I know what's best for you. You need, and especially the, the way it ends with like, stay with me. And he replies for a while. It's so evocative to me of Juliet 
right? This idea of like, well, we'll just expand the timeline like a couple of weeks, but I'm sure by then I'll be ready to leave the island. Cut to three years later, multiple times. That's very much what this feels of. Once you once you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Yeah. Uh, and so like you see that like it worked because he's now 43 years old. You know what we should uh, maybe instead of making the episode longer, could we have done some sort of Akuna Matata-esque montage where it's mother and Jacob walking on a log, bobbing their heads. And the kid transforms into Mark Pellegrino. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And they're looking at, like, the hieroglyphics on the four-toed statue. And he's like, what does that mean? She goes, it means no worries. Uh, Like, I would have loved that. I think would have been great. Uh, What we do end up getting, though, is when we come back, it's like years later, and it's Mark Pellegrino as Jacob the man-child. You know, he is very much playing him still like a like a teenage kid uh it throughout this episode like big you're not my dad energy uh and uh you can tell that like yeah it worked he stayed um but she's so out right like yeah. she's so tired that's what she'll tell him it's like i'm just the most tired i've ever been uh and like she's just phoning it in like it's like he's like you like my tapestry and she's like god I hate this. Uh, like, <laughs> why? Just, why did I tell him to stay with me? Oh, I regret it now. It's 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 utterly brutal. And so, like, this is where I I develop some measure of sympathy for even Jacob now at this point in time. Is like this kid just didn't have a chance. Like yeah. he was like he was horribly abused by this woman who uh, convinces him to like never be curious and never explore and never do anything other than exactly what I tell you. And so when she's dead and when he's left all alone, and as far as we know, he's all alone on the island because everybody is dead. And now he's going to you know have the ability to see the heart of the island. You assume that maybe that means he is able to see the lighthouse. It should be noted that when we get to lighthouse, it's going to be Jacob, Jack, and Hurley who see it. So we have uh, reason to believe that this is a thing that, like the heart of the island, can only be seen by like protectors or the protector types, uh, candidates. Uh, like once he has like access to some of this stuff, like yeah, he's probably going to be pretty shitty at running this ship because like he had no model, like he had no example to to live by. It's not to say that he's not awful, right? And that he is not like you know going to to make choices that are problematic uh, for a lot of people that he could have intervened better, that he could have done more. Um, but like, it doesn't matter if he's thousands of years old, if he's a thousands year old child, effectively, like he's always going to run this thing like a poorly conceived game. Uh, and I think that like a lot of Jacob and who that character is, uh, and therefore a lot of like uh, what these characters have all gone through, like stems from just like, to even call it awful parenting, I think, is doing a disservice to, like, who this person actually is to him. He's been raised not just by another. He's been raised by, like, a psychopath. He's been gaslit his for 30-plus years. Because remember, this takes place, I think, 30 years after 13, when the man in, when Special takes off on his own. He has spent decades of his life being convinced, like, those are bad people, don't go there. You are good. You are meant to do this. And so it makes sense that when it gets passed on, like, you know, you try convincing a 40 something year old in your life right now to completely change their worldview. It's going to mm. be tough to do. <laughs> Add thousands of years on top of yeah, that. It makes yeah. it even more difficult. So, yeah, I understand. Again, Jacob, I think, is not a capital G good character. In fact, he's even lowercase g because he believes he's capital G good. But 
much like a lot of these other characters, right? Much like someone like Shannon in Abandoned, we find out a lot about why she, she has that certain perspective and worldview because of the people who treat her that way and raise her. We have this case here too, uh, where like he is clearly raised to be in the shadow of his mother, but that mother has cast a shadow around him with the outside world. Now that all being said, he still has a little bit of curiosity, right? He's going to sneak away from the loom and he's essentially going to like hover creepily above the forest around the village, watching his brother work. Uh, and then his brother is going to eventually have them sit down for a game of Senate. And they're going to do a little bit of catch up. This is another great Mark Pellegrino, Titus Welliver scene. It's the first scene they get to do in this episode. And uh, we're going to dig a bit into some catch up going on here as Jacob is unfortunately kind of caught between two parties at this moment. Let's listen to sound number five. She know you visit me. She never asked about you. And I'm sorry I asked about her. Why do you watch us, Jacob? I watch because I want to know if Mother's right. Right about what? About them. Oh, you mean my people. You want to know if they're bad. That woman may be insane, but she's most definitely right about that. I don't know. It doesn't seem so bad to me. That's easy for you to say. Looking down on us from above. Trust me. I've lived among them for 30 years. They're greedy, manipulative, untrustworthy, and selfish. And why are you with them? They're a means to an end. What end? I'm leaving, Jacob. Oh, it's impossible. There isn't a way off the island. And it sticks right in between the forehead of this poor guy walking by, and there's so much blood spurting everywhere. It's just this everywhere. gruesome scene as this man's screaming at the top of his lungs. And Jacob's like, we gotta take care of him. He's like, no, they're not worth it. They're just stupid people. You know, I'm I'm really surprised they allowed that to pass at eight o'clock on Wednesdays. But you know what? Final season, they really gave him a lot of uh, lack of restraints there. Yeah, this is why I think you really needed that uh, extended episode runtime so that we could like really feel for this character who gets killed in this moment a little bit more. So there was just like a little bit of backstory for this yeah. guy. And it's really interesting when the man black's like, oh. Oh, crap. Oh, no. Oh, that was supposed to hit the well. Oh, God, that paid off poorly. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But my favorite part is when that guy then takes the knife out of his head and turns and looks at Jacob in the man of black and goes, what? Did you not see that I was walking here? (laughs) Yes. uh, Egyptian Travis Bickle. What comes in and be like, what do you guys think you're doing here? Yeah, uh, that was that's uh, the original Saul. Ooh, and the uh, incest it's all like, hey, yeah. it's me, Gaul the Wellman. I'm just yeah, building I, this well. I didn't you see I was building a well over here, <laughs> and you threw a knife in my head. Uh, Too bad hot hats aren't invented yet. 
I feel really bad for the man in black in this moment uh, when he's asking about uh, Mother and finds out that Mother is not asking about him. He's like, well, then I'm sorry I asked about her. This poor guy just wants some of that light that he has been denied this whole time. Can you blame him? Uh, he was, like, driven away. He, like, he ran away. He comes and he finds these people. These people are terrible as well. Uh both of these people, both the man in black and Jacob, just needed to be authentically loved and just like, exposed to some of that authentic light. Uh, and neither of them got it. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, it's, it's sad stuff. You could tell it really is this idea, right, of like the kid who runs away from home and then like wants to come back home eventually. I could see that coming from from special here of like he made this big choice at 13 but so many years have passed, and there's so much pride between him and mother that he knows he can't go back, yet he still sort of yearns for it. If he could be the one standing on the outside of the cave looking in like Jacob does with the village, he can. Maybe something, again, that could have been built out with a longer episode is the man in black's relationship with man, for lack of a better term, right? Like, he just sort of shrugs it off being like, oh yeah, mother's actually right, they are bad people. But I would have loved to see that. I guess we have enough examples of bad people, but I would love to see, you know, the man in black come into contact with them, realize that she was right, yet still realize that he could use their greed to his advantage. Like, I feel like that's a big character beat that I think we missed out on in this truncated story. Yeah, I think probably right. Um, But I do like the way in which um, this, like, this again like this idea of the final uh the final season has a lot of callbacks but even across the sea itself really does feel like across the seasons uh and this idea of like throwing the knife out and having it magnetized yeah. to the well no, it's, it's, so it's, no, it's no charlie bell two. buckle but uh it'll do you know it's so evocative of season two and like i don't know um is this is this not uh you know the swan station is this not uh is this the uh do we think that this is the orchid yeah so like, is that where i would imagine it's the orchid movie? because of the donkey wheel right like right. and and because of the well uh we don't see a well that becomes the the swan site later on and because man in black says basically like he couldn't get to the heart the way that they should so he has to like go under it i would imagine that is the orchid but i love it even if it's not the swan in comparison to the incident, right? Considering we just saw people yeah. digging in an area where metal acts weird. In fact, metal acting weird is essentially going to take Juliet out for lack of a better term. Uh, and so to sure. have the man in black make mention of that, I think is another reason why this is a fun sort of bookend to the incident as its subsequent episode. Yeah. Uh, and there's the whole like, you know, conversation about like, there's people here who are curious about how things work, metal behaving strangely, when we find that out, we dig. You know, this is so Dharma initiative. So this is like proto-DI. Yeah. And also, let's look at the fact that the man in black is looking at things from an incredibly scientific perspective. And Jacob is looking at things from a very sheltered faith-based perspective. And I love how ironic it is that the man in black is going to become John Locke, the man of faith. And Jacob is going to pass things off to Jack Shepard, who started the show as a man of science. Right, yeah, it's the same, you know, sort of the ships are are passing in the night. And then crashing. Uh, that, is, that is such a great part of uh, the journey of loss. So this is what he's going to do. He says, Jacob, you should come with me. And Jacob's like, no. Uh, and he's, But what are you going to do when she dies? She'll never die. And that's like, uh, the other thing as well that makes things a little sad here for, for Special is that you could tell how much Special does care for his brother, right? This isn't this story of someone who's like, I'm the evil twin and therefore I hate you. 
you know, in that sound we listened to before, he wants to leave with Jacob. He's trying to convince him that mother is lying. Here, he's saying, come and leave with me. He offers him several opportunities to, like, take my hand and we can rule the, the universe together as brothers, essentially. But Jacob has to spurn him time and time again. Yeah. Uh, so he is going to harumph his way home. Uh, uh, mother obviously knows where he was. And finally, like, he's a little bit jaded here of, like, uh, uh, you know, she, you know where I was. Uh, yeah. And so he, like, immediately narks on his brother. He says he found a way to leave the island. I will say, I don't know if this is something I just noticed in this episode or if this is something that is only specific to the way he played it, echoing the way the kid played it. Mark Pellegrino kind of has dead eyes in this episode. Yeah. Especially when he's talking with Mother. You just like, I see nothing behind those blues. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's part of how he's playing it. Is he's just like, you know, he's not uh, he's not a developed adult. He's like, he's he's very, very, like, tragically regressed. Some people don't like that about the character, and I get that. I, I think that it, it, it works for me. Uh, when I reframe my understanding of the character as, like, he's just a giant child uh i think like that no don't call him an adult baby (laughs) i'm not trying to but like at the same time and then like if that's if that's not working for you mike i think that there's some intention behind it anyway so you all everybody's has importance now it was telling us the entire time the whole way through uh so mother is gonna come to see uh the boy in black uh she's gonna come and see special he will reiterate, I'm special, mother. And she will reiterate, uh, I'm so sorry. So maybe that's her like yes. her formal title is so sorry. So sorry. Um, let's go to that scene. Listen in, sound number six. May I join you? Yes. How are you? I'm worried. Well, Mother, you should be. I spent 30 years searching for that place you brought me as a child, that waterfall with that beautiful light. And I have walked this island from end to end, not once coming close to finding it. Then I began to think, what delight underneath the island? What if I could get to it from someplace else? Figuring out how to reach it took a very long time. The people with you, they saw this too? Yes. They have some very interesting ideas about what to do with it. Do with it? You don't have any idea what- I have no idea because you wouldn't tell me, Mother. that wheel to a system we're building a system that channels the water and the light and then i'm going to turn it 
And when I do, I'll finally be able to leave this place. How do you know all this? How do you know it will work? I'm special. Mother. Please don't do this. Don't go. I have to go. Why? Because I don't belong here. Then I suppose this is goodbye. and Jenny just bodied her own kid. The scream is so unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's like her trying to hulk out, right? Like it's it's her sort of uh, power superhero yell, but yeah, it, it sort of comes out of I nowhere, do, especially in a relatively I, quiet scene. I do think she must be the strongest character on the show. She one-shotted Claudia. She like one-shots her son here. Uh, like she's just uh, super, super powerful. I really like this scene. Uh, I really like, uh, I really like for the man in black's perspective, uh, like again, like kind of like feeling the angst, uh, and like really getting kind of on board with like how this guy, like, if you deny me the answers, I shall find the answers myself. And if you don't like that, well, maybe you should have thought about, I don't know, parenting me a little bit. So yeah, like, I, I, I cannot like stop is, snapping yeah. along when she says, you have no idea. And he goes, I have no idea because you wouldn't tell me, mother. Yes, 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 yes. Here's a here's a handy dandy tip, parents out there. Uh, tell your kids the truth. No, I'm not saying, like, come out of the big gate and be like, these are what the birds and the bees are, but, like... Or Santa's not real right away. Yeah, but, but also, like, don't feel like you need to lie to them to protect them. Especially if, I don't know... You are in charge of, like, this incredibly important mystical power, and you gaslight your children for decades upon decades, only giving them drips and drabs of information at a time. Even when they ask about things, you essentially answer, I don't know, I'll tell you later, I'll tell you when you're older. Don't, don't do that, because surprise, surprise, when your kids get older, they're going to be pretty PO'd about that, uh, to the point where you have to run them into a brick wall to make sure they don't escape the island. Right. So it's not good. And I feel like I get it with this guy. Like, I really do. Like, I feel his rage in this episode for sure. The episode fails in a lot of ways and is like clunkily written and is a very clumsy episode in, in, in so many regards. But I really do think that one thing it does very effectively is like get you to understand that this guy's got a point, like at least as it pertains to the people that he was raised with. Uh, you know, he has nothing but love for his brother and wants his brother to like see the truth as well. And his uh, his mother figure uh, is a terrifying person who has ruined his life and has caused him great harm. Um, you're on board 
board with that. Like when he's angry after like he wakes up and sees everybody's been killed and stuff, he's surrounded by so much death. He didn't cause that. And he doesn't even love these people all that much. Uh, but he's still like, uh, he's like, he's infuriated by what has happened here. Uh, and I think like very rightfully so. A major problem though is that when you watch this the first time, this dude also is just responsible for killing Jin and Sun and Saeed, and so I don't give a shit. Right, it's this idea of, like, he has been so capital E evil this entire time, right? Like, not even, yes, uh, we care the most about Jin, Sun, and Saeed, but, like, even from the get-go, right, he's going to absolutely demolish Bram and LAX. Like, he just absolutely slaughters so many people. Like, And I'm pretty sure, like, he kills Charles Widmore at this point, too, right? So, like, this dude just has so much blood on his hands the Whitmore death will come will come later but i think like even those examples like uh we're at war at a certain point and then like you're able to like maybe like at least kind of like feel like this is like this is a guy who's at war and this is why Mm -hmm. uh and like i think you you need that before like the uncrossable line you know because because the candidate the episode is the rubicon uh, and like once he crosses that line, once he goes to where they go, once the submarine is at the bottom of the ocean and Saeed is paced and Jin and Sun are dead, uh, you you just cannot get on board with this. And I don't care. I don't want it. I don't need the New York Times story that tells me why this jaded voter is feeling this way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care anymore. Uh, that Like, this person, it, redemption is not on the menu. This is not something that, uh, and, and understanding this guy is not something that I need anymore. Um, I needed that uh, before when I could have had a chance to, like, process this Something character. that should have been brought to my attention in the premiere! You know, like, so, so it's another major reason, like, uh, it, it, you know, t- there, this episode, uh, has a lot that needs to be reworked probably to be like, a, a hit across the board for, for the majority of people at least. Um, and I understand that like reordering this maybe like diminishes some of the surprise of like the finale of like the heart of the island stuff, but it is so, such a, uh, such a worse thing for me, like such a, a a bigger thing for me that this episode, um, uh, that like the thing that matters more is that we need to, we need to process the man in black and what this guy is all about. Cause he's going to be such an important force for this season. And you get that stuff in this episode. It for sure exists here. It just, it comes at the exact wrong time. It comes at literally the worst possible time uh, is like the, well, this is why this guy just killed your favorite characters. I don't care. Um, But if he hasn't killed them yet and I'm meeting him here, then like his journey of like into like the, the full descent into the heart of darkness is actually kind of sad Mm -hmm. and really, really messed up. And then he still gets to that place where, like, you're too far gone, but it's like, man, that's horrible that you sunk this low. I don't care at this point, though. All right, here's an odd comparison. It's a little Michael Dawson-esque in that perspective, right? Because the man in black has a, a, a purpose that he wants to indulge. He feels like he says it time and time again, he does not belong here. He's a creep. He's a weirdo. What the hell is he doing here? He he wants to leave and time and time again, he has been denied this opportunity. So when he sees an opportunity to do so, his brain is going to kind of warp and pervert to a sense of, 
okay, now is finally my chance to succeed in my goal. It doesn't matter how dark I go, it's going to accomplish my goal at the end of the day. Again, not too dissimilar from the way his mother and brother do certain things. That is very much what we get from Michael Dawson, too, right? Right, This idea, especially what we see in three minutes of, okay, I'll do anything to get my son back and to leave this island. I just want to go. Okay, what would you do? And I, that descent to darkness, I think, is another. It's another story that's told out of order, right? Like if we had three minutes before, um, before two for the road, I guess if we do chronologically lost, we'll see how that holds up. Uh, it, it really affects the surprise of it. But I agree that here it's a little bit different. It's a different character. Uh, we've had an entire season to get to know Michael, as opposed to a couple of half a season to get to know the man in black. So. I totally co-sign everything you say, and this really, like, the dude just wants to go home. This is not his home. He just wants to go, and Allison Janney just keeps preventing him from doing so, and it's a little pitiful. He has a point. He is He's going to, you know, he's going to be turned into a monster. He does not choose to become a monster. Mm. You know, this this is a thing that happens to him, uh, and, like, the things that he does from that point onward are, like, the the consequence of his malevolence um but what Allison Janney says is that like if if you go into the heart of the island you become something worse than dead so they like know what happens and Jacob throws him in there anyway the man in black and the monster is uh you know like the man in black as the monster is just as much if not more so a reflection of Jacob and mother than he is of himself he is this like horribly disfigured, embittered individual uh, that has been created this way by the consequences of the world and the people around him. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really, really sad. Uh, and like on that level, like I kind of like, I, I really feel for the guy as a character, um, but I can only really feel for him as a character uh, if like I'm given this opportunity to like, have have those moments of understanding and processing where he's at disconnected from like the worst most personal murder of the entire show you know mm-hmm. so like it's just it's a it's it's uh for me it's a timing issue but i do think it's like one of the things this episode in isolation in iso as i like to say uh does well it's just it does it it, it doesn't matter and is like outright kind of offensive when they try and uh give it to us uh right uh, in the actual run of the show. Anyway, so uh, this happens. She knocks him out. Mother returns to Jacob, wakes him up in the night. We got to go do the thing. This, uh, this poor so kid just wants to get some sleep. And now twice in his life, is like, get up now. We got to go do something right, right now. Uh, let's listen in. Sound number seven is they are going to go to the heart of the island. Do you recognize this place? Yes. Do you remember what I showed you here? Light. You are going to protect it now. What's down there? Life, death, rebirth. It's the source, the heart of the island. No matter what you do, you won't ever go down there. 
would I die? You'd be worse than dying, Jacob. Much worse. that you will protect this place for as long as you can. And then you'll have to find your replacement. I don't want to protect this place. Someone has to. I don't care. My time is over. Why? Why is your it time over? It has to be you, Jacob. No, it doesn't. You wanted it to be him. But now I'm all you have. It was always supposed to be you, Jacob. I see that now, and one day you'll see it too, but until then, you don't really have a choice. Please, take the cup and drink. Howard Shore at the end there, a bit of like Lord of the Rings-esque violin going on when he drank from the cup. Yeah, maybe, maybe a touch. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be the only Lord of the Rings connection that this show has. Uh, <gasps> Billy Wallace so, you're uh, speaking of, right? Of course. Uh, so Jacob is uh, it's is getting like bar mitzvah, right? Like, you know, he's yeah, but, wine, yeah, but, he's it's, but it's like being bar mitzvah when you're you're getting, you know, your twin brother and you go to shul together and your brother's like, I don't want a bar mitzvah. Like, OK, I guess you get what he's like. Wait, you didn't want me to I get don't one want in the one first either. place. <laughs> you didn't want me to be bar mitzvahed. Uh and so he's getting well, it we anyway. rented this, this, this community center anyway, Jacob, and you're getting one. But it's also like here. It's time for you to have, like, you're now the president of the company. President of the company? I'm six! You know? (laughs) It's sort of of the energy, right? It's like, you want me to do that? I don't care. I'm a kid. I want to play. I'm just figuring out how to work the loom. You want me to be in charge of all of this? Uh, And she says, my time is over. It's like, wow, you really could have done your job. Uh, I would posit that uh, very strongly that uh, the the like we we you know the the whole issue with Jacob it just like stems from just how poorly he is raised by this person mm-hmm. uh, and he is just completely unprepared for this moment. He has had uh, there's just been no attempt at preparing him for this moment, um, and so when he gets here, it's really no wonder that like. If he's a kid, and if you view him as an eight-year-old, and this is like the good son, uh, that like she she's gonna say it's gonna be worse than death, 
And then when he's going to watch his brother kill his mother and he's going to be like righteously pissed about that, that he's going to try and retaliate by doing the worst thing imaginable because he's a kid who doesn't know any better. And he's going to throw the monster. He's going to throw the man in black into the pit to turn him into the monster. And all of the horrible shit's going to go forth from that moment. Everything that is wrong with what happens on Lost stems from the mother being awful. Uh, there is a like we will not be able to articulate this right. in our LVP points at the end of the day, but she should probably be identified as the LVP of law. Yeah, I think so because again, it all stems from her. Had she not done this, she's the cow that kicks over the lantern that starts the Great Chicago Fire. Right? If she was a better parent and maybe told the truth a little bit more, decided to to shelter less answers from her sons maybe this would be different, right? Even here, when she's like, my time is up, he's like, why? And she makes no mention of it. Now, again, this really opens up a big question. Is it because she knows that the man in black is going to kill her? Is it just because that she's old and she feels like it's time to pass things down? Who the hell knows at this point? But she even is still being a little manipulative to to him here right now, right? Saying, you don't have a choice. It's evocative to me of, like, the other side of what happens when you're presented with that Mr. Echo choice. Ironically enough, something Mr. Echo will say to the man in black himself was, you know, I was essentially my lot in life was dealt to me. I didn't want to do it, but I did it to the best of my ability. And so I am not sorry, brother. And those are some yeah. those are some of his final words. And now we have someone like Jacob, who essentially is being dealt his lot in life. He doesn't want to do it, and he'll try to do it to the best of his ability. And so to that point, maybe he isn't sorry, brother, either. Yeah, and for the man in black at that moment when he kills Mr. Echo after basically hearing from Mr. Echo like what the truth is for the for the man in black himself, he's so disconnected from his humanity at that point. He's so deep in his inhumanity at that point that like there's like nothing but like anger and resentment and I'm gonna kill you now type of energy from the smoke monster to Mr. Echo. But it's almost like game recognizes game. Uh, I I think it is so interesting uh, that uh, the mother here says you don't really have a choice, uh, which I think is is a thing that like uh, frustrates so many of the characters of Lost. Yeah. Right? Well, like I mean, John I, Locke- and, I mean, look at the argument that Jacob presents in some of his last moments in the last episode. Right? Like Ben, you have a choice. You can you can walk away right now. It's so interesting to hear his mother tell him the exact opposite. Yeah, but I think, like, uh, in the way that, like, we can end up just sort of, like, repeating the mistakes of those who came before us. Like, I feel like Jacob is saying that stuff, and he'll say that to Hurley, too. Like, it's totally your choice whether you want to come or not. But it's not, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's not actually. So, like, uh, it's like the illusion of choice. Uh, There are so many ways in which, like... He he is still just his mother. Like he, you know, this was the example that he lived by. This is who he's still like trying to make proud. And it's like a bad person to be trying to make proud. And like a sad uh like way to be leading your life is all like to like kind of like get that like um you know that that uh that that like uh acknowledgement from beyond the grave, basically, right? Like trying to like um not redeem yourself but like shine in in her eyes because it was always the other one who was shining it's like i'm gonna i'll 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 show you what i can do type of energy and i think like that is very pervasive in jacob's story and i think it's contextualized here and 
the show is so much about like all the best daddies, right? Like mm-hmm. and all the like the the father son relationships. But you know, this one is uh, about uh, you know two boys and their relationships with their mother. Um, so like now you just like extend it to like the idea of like um uh the parent and their child uh like the relationship that uh that exists across generations across the seas of generations uh and the ways in which the mistakes of the past influence the mistakes of the future uh and i think that it's it's a it's a big theme that they're hammering home in this episode and it's not necessarily like the most artfully dealt um, but I think it's really consistent with a lot of the material that we have seen throughout the show. And even in this moment of like, uh, you got to rise up. You don't have a choice. The time is now. Um, feels like it is like that kind of like harsh, uh, that harsh reality check that has hit so many of our other characters across uh, the rest of the show. And will hit the next protector in the series finale, right? I guess I'm sort of skipping Jack, but like when Jack approaches Hurley, to drink from his dirty ass water bottle hurley's like i'm not ready and i guess the lesson is you never are ready right and so preparation you know is, is does sort of lacks in anticipation of execution and the way you play things in the moment can we talk about this village scene josh because this is in my opinion the highlight of the episode. i love it i love it he wakes up uh there's all the carnage uh titus welliver is exceptional like the look on his face uh, like you can- i love the yeah the the despair that then turns to absolute fury when he starts yeah. to realize what happened yeah like you can like it, you know like looks you can hear right you know like because you can't you're just hearing like the soundscape and the the jacchino score uh but like you could like hear the screaming uh on his face uh and i love again like this is very evocative it's like an ancient version of at first i was like this is like sort of like you know 815 wreckage really it's more it's like dharma genocide yeah, sort of like except more so this is not ben's doing right this is someone right. doing it to him uh, and you know he, I think he's more—he's less so mourning the people and more so mourning his path of getting off the island, right? Like the well right. is buried, all of his workers are dead. Let's bring this up because you mentioned this before. Let's talk again about this idea of mother possibly being the smoke monster because some people feel like, how the hell did Alice and Janney take out an entire village and surmise that? Perhaps she was able to turn into the smoke monster and much like we saw with Kimi's crew back in the shape of things that come uh, was able to just demolish lay waste to this village and burn it down. What are your thoughts on that? Given that piece of evidence Um, that she is uh, she's got those monster powers or yeah, that has like some sort of ability because the implication, right, especially with leaving the game behind, which I kind of love. It's almost like a demented representation of how. You know, uh, the man in black is like, this was the game and you're losing the game right now. I make the rules and you're losing the rules. But that she was essentially able to do all this, you know, fend off an entire village of people and just completely lay waste to them. Yeah, but I I, like, is she a monster? Uh, Certainly in some regards. Uh, And is she like the monster? Uh, I'm not mad at that idea. But I also have seen her uh, kill somebody with a single hit and knock out a grown adult uh, with a single shove. So I could just imagine Alice and Janney uh, like Yodaing, like evil Yodaing her way through this village and just wrecking shop. 
Um, so it could go either way, but it does seem like she's like single handedly done, done this. Um, I'm not mad at the idea that she's got those monster powers. She is going to like when she gets killed, which happens in like the very next scene after she and Jacob return home with the, with the storms coming, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a very she, Lockean thing, too. Right. Like, I can't wait it, to feel the rain on my skin, you know, and she's going to get stabbed. She's going to thank him. Uh, so this is like, thank you for releasing me. You know, like, and like, thank you for like, you're going to take my place. Like, Jacob is taking my place, but you're taking my place as well. Like, did she go to the heart of the island? Did she become something worse than death? I don't know. Um, she seems to have a very official death. Like, she seems to die here. Right. And then, then so, you would assume yeah. that comes from the fact that she abdicates the role of the protector. And so she was able to die. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. It's, it's tough because I like the idea that there was always a smoke monster but i don't know how i feel about the mother being the smoke monster because then like why is she the protector then is it this idea of that the smoke monster is supposed to be the protector but because of the man in black like the role got split between the two sons maybe that's the best explanation of it is that they were supposed to be one and the same almost like weaponized like that security system that guard dog cerberus that was you know, used uh, in short form with a lot of the writers. But then because of everything, those roles got split up where the protector of the island went to Jacob and then like the powers of the monster uh, now went to the man in black who's going to use them for much more nefarious purposes. Right. It splits across, basically. Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm trying to think, because otherwise I don't understand why a Smokey would also be the protector of the island, considering it seems like they have antithetical purposes. Yeah. Um, the kind of stuff like, you know, there was a lot of like, can like the protector run around and do smoke monster things? Will we see white smoke someday? They never went there. Well, that's, when the, uh, that's when we get a new pope, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, Could have been cool. Could have been cool to see. Anyway, let's listen in as the man in black. Uh, kills his mother, uh, and this shall also be the birth of the smoke monster officially. She burned them. She was crazy. She burned them all. 
You can't kill me, Jacob. Just made it that way. You can't. Don't worry, brother. I'm not going to kill you. She brought you back here? Yes. Why would she? Because I have to protect it now. I want to find the light. You want to leave this place, brother? Then go. Sounds a lot like a taxi. What's a taxi? <laughs> Something you'll never have to worry about. <laughs> I made sure so you never ride a taxi again, except for when you're recruiting Hurley to come back to the island. Yeah. Uh, so that is the the death of the man in black and the birth of the smoke monster. And still, you know, the man in black, right? But um, yeah, so it's like the quote unquote quasi death. I, I want to talk about the mother death first because i find it so interesting like you said it's almost like bittersweet for her i i do think you can look at things certainly from a perspective of her feeling burdened not and now she's finally free after giving away her protector role and now being like released from this sweet mortal coil she has finally clocked out and she is happy about it but still you know wouldn't be mother if uh if, if she didn't you know throw out just a a bad lie and be like oh i couldn't let you go because i love you like stop weak ass excuses mother uh man in black did what he needed to do as he was trying to explain to jacob before he gets absolutely wailed on yeah uh viciously so uh he throws him onto a rock and then he like seemingly like is unconscious like that's hurting yeah that definitely hurts absolutely i was wondering if if jacob meant to throw him against the rock to knock him out or just like throw him straight down the cave i'm not sure how good jacob's aim is uh but it's really interesting because when we last saw these boys wail on each other, or specifically Jacob wail on special, Mother's there to tear him off, right? This time, not so much. And so now I think we immediately get, like, the first bill signed in the Jacob administration as protector, right? He has no one above him to stop him from doing these reckless things. And in doing so, he makes a horrible, horrible mistake. Uh, you know, conscripts his brother to, like, just a, an absolute devastating fate but also releasing some untold darkness into this island for many people for many years to come. Yeah, uh, this is, you know, this is the the inflection point for for basically everything else. This doesn't happen and the rest of the show doesn't happen, um, which I know is, uh, you know, another reason why I think like some people are especially hard on this one. Uh, and I don't want to like exclude us from it either. Um, you know, when you're staking so much on like, this is kind of the hinge point, you really want to nail that hinge point. Right. And so the fact that this isn't fully nailed, I think is, is, uh, is, is tough. But so he's, he's born this way. He's born now, this the, way. He's, he's now the smoke monster. Uh, Jacob buries the body or really just nope. leaves the body. <laughs> no, it's an open casket funeral. 
Uh, I guess he wants to really snow white the two of them. He's weeping the entire time. It is interesting that he, uh, there's a, a moment similar to his own mother, not capital M mother, where he like washes his face in the creek. I don't know if it's the same creek, but that's where he finds the man in black's body. I guess when Smokey came out of the cave, it just like, I don't know, spit his body out to land somewhere. So now he brings him back, lays him down next to his mother, puts the rocks in a nice little neat little pouch. And we get such a flashback, Josh, a little baby face Jack and Kate. Uh, fresh, yes. fresh from those bee wounds in House of the Rising Sun as they find the skeletons in the cave. Yes, and John Locke is there. I do believe they, edited, are... I believe they edited Charlie out, unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't think that he really makes the cut in this moment, unfortunately. Uh, I'm, by the way, just to early, like, I, I have three MVP points this week. Two of them are going to the Smokey Man because he's really the guy. He's like the only one of this three hander that I that I uh, that I feel for. Uh, but I'll give my third point to John Locke <laughs> by virtue of of showing up. Yeah, though he made uh, sure to LVP for misidentifying their relationship. That sure, but he's alive and uh, of, of uh, eligible for an MVP point this week, and so I'm going to give it to him. Uh, so that is how my MVP points will shake out. Um, but then, like they end this one with like, so this is who Adam and Eve were the whole time, and like. Ah, hmm. I would have liked something a little bit better than that, but okay. Yeah, some, and so something like, that pays off again a little bit more. Like, not to say that it couldn't be this, but the fact that this is, you know, the answer is because this is one of those cases, I think, where the answers we all had probably would have hit a lot better than the actual answer itself. Uh, you know, because ever since that was introduced, we talked about this all the way back in House of the Rising Sun, right? For years, it was... Bernard and Rose, especially after we saw them back in the 70s, some were saying it might have been Jack and Kate themselves, especially when we put time travel into the picture. And now it's like, yeah, these are these two characters that sort of were just introduced in this one episode. It's sort of the more mystical version of Nikki and Paolo. They were more than paralyzed, and now they're these skeletons, one of the oldest mysteries in the show. It's not a great payoff. And look, we are beating the drum that the show is not about payoff from a plot perspective. But I will say, if we're looking at it from a plot perspective, this is one of those ones that rung a little hollow. Well, this is one of those reasons why, like, uh, I almost would ra- would rather they just didn't even try to answer it, like you had said earlier. You know, mm-hmm. like, then just, like, don't ever give us who is Adam and Eve. Just, like, suggest that there have been people here for a very long time. Uh, and also, like, their like their clothes didn't degrade uh as per like the the degradation of their bodies like suggestive of time travel and stuff so like just leave it the stuff of suggestion i think is probably uh is probably better and then like you can walk away from the show and like if that's rose and bernard in your head canon that's fine like whatever you know i think like uh yeah for me like i it, it is what it is it is like an undeniably this is the answer uh unless like Somewhere over the years, someone else uh, put, like, two different bodies in there. <laughs> they like, swapped it out, like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. we're going to sell these on eBay, so let's swap it out for joke Party City skeletons. Um, so so that's the episode. We have talked uh, a ton uh, about this yeah, episode. Yeah, that's what podcasts are. That is what they are. Uh, I think it is. Uh, what do you, What do you say? Do you want to Do you want to do uh, four point two stars here? Do, yeah. Should we Should we do the trouble of uh, go through the trouble real quick of uh, trying to rate this one? Yeah, let's Let's rip off the bandit here because I think the question is going to be how does this compare to other not so well received episodes of Lost? Because I think it's safe to say well, you and I are putting them in our bottom group of episodes. The question is how does that compare to other ones from a score perspective? 
Well, it's just such a strange episode. And I want to read this from Jenny Liu, who had written in and said, let me remark on what I think the problem with Across the Sea really is. As a piece of storytelling, I really rather enjoy it, but it's superfluous. The show doesn't actually need it at all. It's the midi-chlorian conundrum. Oh, so uh, many Star the, Wars the, references. The light of the island is a MacGuffin. It's this thing that opposing forces fret over. Protecting the island becomes the mantra for so many characters. Obviously, the island is an anomaly. It is special. Of that, there is no doubt. I would argue we get all the information we need when Jacob analogizes the island to the wine and a cork, but we don't necessarily need an entire episode about it. And I think that that's an interesting uh, question, Mike. Is it not like Across the Sea shows up at the wrong time in season six and we should be trying to reorder it? Is the problem that Across the Sea shouldn't have existed at all, that we didn't need any of this stuff? Um, And so, like, there is this part of me that is like, maybe the episode does uh, work best in non-existence, you know, like... (laughs) Maybe the episode is best if it's not here at I just, all. We just love it in different ways. But then I think about like how there are elements of this episode that I'm uh, that I'm like fascinated by the way in which it interacts with the core themes of the show. Some of like the iconography and like the sound design. Um, Titus Welver's performance, I think, is really strong. Um, there are definitely aspects of this episode that like I outright like. Uh, and I also think that it helps, like, I, I find going back to this episode is always, uh, is always fascinating for my processing of, of, uh, not just the man in black as a character, but also Jacob as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to, th- I, I don't want to throw it out. Like, it was made. I'm not going to skip it. It's, it's a foundational episode of the show. Um, I do not love it. I don't think I dislike it as much as I dislike some of my most loathed episodes of the show. And loathed is such a harsh word because I still, you know, like, you know, it's still lost. But like, you know, I uh, when I go back and I look at like the lowest ones that I that I rated, uh, whatever the case may be, and Adrift were my 2.1s. And then Fireplace Water uh, rose ever so slightly to that 2.3, which is a lost number. And like... I think that uh, that like is two point three is probably harsher than I actually feel about um, across the sea, but it is a number. It is a lost <laughs> number, and it is in fact Jack Shepard's number, uh-huh. and he is so connected to this. So like, you don't get the chance to do this very often, or at least I don't get the chance to do this very often because I'm always so high on Lost and I'm never so low that I'm ever rating anything of 15, 16. And I'm doing the four, like the 4.2 so often that even though I don't think I am actually this low on Across the Sea, I'm ceremonially giving it a 2.3. The numbers uh, are bad. I am going to assign it a Lost number. There was a point in time where I was going to go with the audience average. Because the audience, uh, the listeners, the hatchlings, all over the map, as you said earlier, as high as a couple of fours, as low as a point one, uh, and a mess of threes in there, some twos, one additional 2.3 in there. And it comes from your friend and mine, the great Jim Fells, uh, the music man himself. He's a music uh, man. Who, who believes that this is uh, ultimately uh, his least favorite episode of all of Lost. 
Jim Fells is going to give this one a 23. I'm going to co-sign it in solidarity with Jim Fells. I'm going to give it a 2.3 as my final score for Across the Sea. All right. So after rewatching this episode, I definitively knew it was going to be in my bottom ranked episodes. I think that while it's probably the one I appreciate the most, just because it is one of the most important episodes in Lost, it is foundationally mythological and setting up so much stuff for the end game. And that is to say, I think Titus Welliver turns in a really good performance. You know, again, there's incredibly meaningful dialogue in there. All of our sounds run at least like a minute and a half, just because like there's so much weight in every word that is said. I still cannot get past the fact, as I've talked about for the past couple of hours, it feels like a messy episode. It feels like we're skipping over things that could have really been filled in if this episode is really to characterize the man in black. I feel like we missed out in several character beats. I think, unfortunately, much like the mother character, there are a lot of questions that are raised in the pursuit of answering questions that are sort of half answered and tried to explain the way over the course of a couple of lines. And the character of mother is deeply unpleasant, in my opinion. And I would say impairs my enjoyment of the episode of having to watch one third of the episode revolve around a character that I know I'm not supposed to like, but I still don't enjoy liking at the end of the day. So I w- yeah, we should say that we uh, just, again, to like spoil the 23 points, we were all the way in on Mother, right? Yeah. That's a straight Yeah, I know, I know you maybe thought about throwing a point onto Jacob. I thought about Jacob, and then I contemplated the episode more. It's like, yeah, it's her. And also, and also like, this is the only opportunity, to your point, that we're going to be giving, we, we can only give her points. Jacob's going to appear many times throughout season six. So, like, let's... Uh, yeah. You know, let's find those opportunities later on. But I think we're going to have to give Widmore and Anthony Cooper uh, MVP points (laughs) every chance that we can to like offset this, I feel like, uh, so that we can get maybe we should watch across the sea again in its natural place. So we get another pass. Well, maybe what what we'll do, though, I think she earns one of the rare honors of being one of the only characters who receives all the LVP points in an episode. I think someone's going to have to check up on that with this. It's very rare. It's it's definitely happened before, but it is very rare. I think it happened to Anthony Cooper once. So that being said, I looked at my bottom ranked episodes. My lowest one is Fire Plus Water at a 1.2. I enjoyed this more than Fire Plus Water. Fire Plus Water felt more of a betrayal because it was a character assassination of someone that I liked, as opposed to, again, I still really don't give a lick about these three characters. So while there are annoying characters and annoying characteristics, uh, I feel like Fire Plus Water hurt me more as a Lost episode. I gave Stranger in a Strange Land a 1.4, in that it felt like a little pointless, uh, bringing in characters that I didn't care about and just felt kind of shoehorned in, characters sort of acting out of character, Again, I think I enjoyed this more because I think Stranger in a Strange Land was more sloppily done with currently existing elements than a sloppily done episode with new elements. Uh, I gave Adrift a 1.8. I like this episode, I think, a little bit better than Adrift. I think Adrift is aimless, and I think that's really unfortunate for the second episode of the season, for it to go up from Man of Science, Man of Faith to like another retelling of the the hatch stuff complete with michael and sawyer arguing on driftwood for an hour i know that it has that really beautiful scene where michael says goodbye to walt but i just think between the placement of the episode and the fact that it it was one of those season two episodes that felt like it needed to fill out 42 minutes i think i appreciate this episode a smidge more i will put it below something like further instructions which i feel like isn't well done but is important to the story and i feel like less muddy than across the sea 
So I ultimately settled at a 1.9. It is weird to feel like an episode of Lost that this, that's this important is this low, but I think the more that I look at the parts of this episode, I think I don't enjoy more than what I do enjoy. I enjoy something about every episode of Lost here. Uh, even Fire Plus Water is something that I enjoy elements of, but I just think the bad outweighs the good here. I loved putting it in the beginning of the season. It was very fun to do that, but I still think it's a low-rated episode of Lost. Yeah, I think that that's totally fair. Uh, audience gave it a 2.9 uh, based on all those scores that that we read. It lands at a 2.38. I think it'll be hard to uh, top uh, this uh, season, uh, but there are other uh, episodes from our run here on uh, on on uh, on Lost on Down the Hatch, uh, where Across the Sea is not quite uh quite that low uh so it's not going to be our bottom ranked episode unless like uh you know the the ratings are open you've yeah. got until the end of the season to keep pouring in uh so depending on how that goes it could it could move um but right now at a 2.38 there are other episodes that are uh behind it um so it will not be our bottom ranked episode of the show i don't think it necessarily ought to be it's not for me i think that it's like as i said it's uh an interesting historical document um Okay, we're going to do feedback now. Before we do, let's just wrap up the 2.3 stars. We're so close to finishing that up. Anyway, I already said two on Smokey, one on John Locke for me, uh, and you and I are going to LVP slam dunk on the mother, negative five. What are you doing with the rest of your MVP points, Mike? I gave one to Smokey as well. I feel like big episode and, and the fact that, you know, oh, let's also give him some credit for ingenuity, right? Like he's the one spearheading the the gall, the will, the well man and his cronies on working on this project. Like good on him for finding some ingenuity. So I'm giving one point to special. Now I'm going to give one point to Claudia for the time being. Who knows if it's her, if it's the island, if it's the smoke monster, whatever the hell it is. But she is the one to really, you know, open Special's eyes to the fact that he has been duped the entire time by Mother. And so I'm going to give her credit there for being the one to to light the match. All right, then. So that means that we are entering Season 6 with the following MVP-LVP stats. Uh, Smoke Monster coming in as the lead right now with three. Claudia has one. John Locke, he's he's alive in this episode, so he counts. He gets an, he gets an MVP point, and the mother is getting negative five. She is getting review bombed. The mother. Um, let's do some feedback. We got a ton, uh, and only so much time that we've got to go through at this point. Um, so what? Let's do this. Let's start with Riley. Riley uh, hates Jacob so much. It's time to get into all of that. Riley sent. Uh, we call him Riley the Essayist. He sent in an essay. He's been threatening it for many, many, many moons now, how much he hates Jacob. Um, we cannot read it all in its entirety. I wish that we could. Um, so this is uh, this is excerpted stuff from Riley regarding Jacob. Um, Riley writes in and says, Across the Sea is the only lost episode that I think in a major way negatively impacts the show as a whole. Fire plus water is Charlie character assassination, but across the sea is lore assassination. In this episode, I'll say it, Jacob is a villain. Because of the problem that he is then trying to fix, the show should never have leaned into the show should have leaned into the fact that Jacob is a villain too from this episode, but it doesn't. It plays Jacob like he's some flawed god type, but he isn't. He's the devil who thinks he's an angel. To put it bluntly, Jacob murders his brother in cold blood. The whole time, the man in black is begging for his life, and Jacob knows this and kills him anyway. 
All the Man in Black ever did was want to leave, and Jacob makes him a villain. What the Man in Black does afterwards is reprehensible, but what Jacob does is just as reprehensible, and then he justifies it in the name of the greater good. But what Jacob really does is try to win a bet with his brother. And so he murders countless innocent people over the years, and those who survived the murderous journey he sends them on, he psychologically tortures and destroys them instead, all in an attempt to win a bet with his brother. Jacob is evil. But the show does not lean into that, not even in the slightest. The way the, the way the show presents him does not fit with the reality of the character and his actions. That makes him a poorly written character. And this episode personifies it. Across the sea personifies it. Oh, and if Jacob never brought these people here, if he never brought anyone here because Jacob is the one who's doing this, if Jacob does not do this, then the man in black would never be able to freaking escape in the first place. So that is Riley giving you all the goods on his thoughts on Jacob. Yeah, I mean, I again, I we I think we're a little kinder to Jacob in this episode of like he's a victim of his circumstances, but it is a very good point that he does murder his brother in cold blood. Though I think that's less so like vindictiveness in his heart and more so like a child lashing out and not knowing their own strength. I really like the sort of youthful comparison you made earlier of just when a when a child acts out and has a tantrum, right? They're like they throw themselves into it completely. Their emotions overwhelm them, and that's what happens with Jacob here. And I also love the point of you know Jacob only brought the candidates here because he wanted to make this big test happen as to whether people are good or not. And then because of that, not only do several people die, but the man in black has provided an opportunity to actually leave the island, which we he was not supposed to do in the first place. Okay, well, this comes our way from uh, Bram, the other Bram, uh, as identified last week on the Feedback Show, uh, who's got another perspective on like the mythology of the island and the Jacob and the Man in Black of it all that I thought was really interesting and worth reading here. Bram writes, I recently, I recently completed my first watch through of Chronologically Lost, and it made me view the island mythology in a much different way than I ever had before. I now think the best way to view the show is that nobody knows what this island is all about, including Jacob and the Man in Black. As well as that, I think that the island has no sentience. Uh, sentience, not sentence. Uh, I think whenever somebody says something like, the island isn't done with you, they are just manipulating that person. The island is better viewed as nothing more than a place that people want to exploit, either for personal or financial gain. Richard, the others, the agents of Jacob, etc., they don't have any answers either. They're essentially worshippers to a cult of Jacob and nothing more. And Jacob doesn't care about them, nor does he lead them. Both Jacob and the man in black are looking for a way out of their traps. They're both trapped on the island. Jacob seeks death but knows he can't die until a suitable replacement is found, as he cares enough about humanity to not want to see it snuffed out. The man in black seeks freedom, whether that means the end of humanity or not. Either way, these characters don't really care about the island. They still only care about their own goals. Watching the show in this way really made me zero in on the characters in a way that I never had before, since I was no longer fixated on who knew what, why they would withhold information, or what the island wanted. With all that pushed to the background, the characters and their motivations shine through for me a lot more. So that is from Bram. I found that to be really, really interesting. I really like that perspective. I mean, it's very relatable, right? This idea of we're all going through the same life on this world. Nobody really knows what's happening to us. Uh, and so it almost like the crying religion, right? Of there's there's no way we should really lead uh, by a specific example because it's the blind leading the blind in that perspective. We're all blindfolded people leading each other through the jungle. I think while that's a really fun perspective to take that nobody exactly knows 
what the island is, and every time they say the island's not done with you, they're manipulating that person. It that episode. I feel like the intention of this episode is not that though, right? Like the intention of Across the Sea is to say, no, the island does have a life to it. It exists through the heart of the island, uh, and you know, oh, there are answers. Mother isn't just going to give them. So again, another reason why this episode isn't my favorite is because it is trying to indicate there is something larger at work. Whereas to maybe Bram's point, the more satisfying way to look at the show as a whole is like, nobody knows what's going on. And anytime someone claims to do so, it's a lie. We'll close out the feedback uh, by throwing it to the Ben behind the curtain, Ben Martell, uh, who wrote in defense of the characterization of Jacob. Uh, Ben writes in and he says, I'm here to defend Jacob, not the character himself, who, as Bram and Riley correctly point out, is not necessarily a good person. But I can't agree with the idea that Jacob is bad for the lore of Lost. Jacob is essential to my understanding of Lost. And without him, I would not love the show the way I do. We constantly hear that the island is a special place. And in season six, we learn that without the island, the human race is dead. Or at least that's how I read it. And I know there's a lot of uh, question about that. Um, Joanne the Pistons fan, this is me talking now, Joanne the Pistons fan um, had written in and said, if the light goes out here, it goes out everywhere. Does this mean everyone and everything on Earth dies? Are those the stakes? Because it's always been murky to me. Uh, yes, Joanne, that, that is how I interpret it, that if the light goes out on the island, everything is done. And so those are indeed the stakes, and those are very high stakes indeed. Ben continues. Ben says, Jacob's purpose is to ensure that the island is protected forever, that the smoke monster is dead and he cannot return again and hand over to a new protector that would not need to deal with the island's deeply evil force. The conflict between the man in black and Jacob is the trolley problem on a grand uh, scale. Jacob is willing to interfere to run over the one person with the trolley instead of the many, and he doesn't care about the morality of whether interfering makes him a bad person, provided it saves the island. The man in black, on the other hand, would gladly interfere to kill everybody with the trolley, provided he gets to leave the island. That's the grand threat with which Jacob is faced. I think it's well characterized that faced with that and a centuries-long lifespan, Jacob lacks apparent compassion for his pawns. He's complex, neither full villain nor full hero, but an ordinary person with a bad parental role model, taking a very flawed path to a noble outcome. It's hard to call Jacob an all-out villain when he effectively saves all of humanity. To me, he feels lived in and reminds me of real flawed people who I've met. Without Jacob, I also don't see how we understand the real stakes of the show. And without those stakes, the deaths of Locke, Jack, and so many others are rendered much more meaningless to me. Jacob is the mythological backbone without which some of the central themes of the show would have floundered on the landing. So there you go. A very compelling case from the Ben behind the curtain in defense of Jacob. I really love the trolley problem thing. This idea of the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few in a manner of speaking as to how these two different men view it. Yeah, I completely agree. I never saw him as a villain. I saw him as flawed. Uh, and again, that's the entire series is that no character is perfect except for Frank Lapidus. Uh, every, <laughs> everyone has those essential personality flaws and those flaws inform the decisions that we make. Uh, there are no good people. There are no bad people. Sort of like what Bram was speaking about. Anytime someone claims that they are, as the aforementioned Frank Lapidus says, it's usually the opposite. So I really like that that sort of uh, undressing of Jacob. I think that was a really fun essay from the Ben Behind the Curtain. And it sets up the duality of Ben versus Riley in terms of how you might feel about Jacob. It's probably somewhere between those two goalposts. Yeah. 
Um, well, all right, that's Across the Sea, uh, the Down the Hatchway as the final season prologue. I think uh, I'm really glad that we got this out of the way early. Whether or not you want to say it's the right way to do it for Lost, uh, I like it that way. You don't have to. I think at the very least, for Down the Hatch, the podcast, it's for sure the right way to go uh, to talk about Across the Sea now so that we can kind of sketch out a lot of these big uh, light versus dark uh, island mythology, uh, Jacob versus the man in black themes that we are going to be running into time and time again uh, throughout this final season in our conversations across down the hatch for the final season of Lost. Um, but now that we're through it, I'm I'm really excited to see um, where we're going next, going to LAX, uh, literally the airport in the Flash Sideways universe. Um, really, Mike, just like, you know, basically seeing what's on the other side of that nuclear bomb. Yep. And that comes next week in LA SpaceX. Uh, not SpaceX, the <laughs> Elon Musk thing, yeah, but I'm putting, right. a, I'm putting a space between LA and X yeah. because they do that in the title. Yeah. I mean, this is our, our first ever two part premiere. It's uh, a big one. Uh, we get the premiere of The Flash Sideways. We see the return of Charlie and Claire. Meanwhile, we get the introduction of the temple. So I think the controversial stuff, we are certainly not out of the woods yet when it comes to talking about things that are being introduced in 2007. But finally, the timelines are merging, Josh. After everything that happened in the incident, I'm really excited to, to talk about LAX. Uh, you know, it might be a longer podcast just because it is the two hours, but there is so much stuff introduced in the season six premiere that I can't wait to see much like this, actually, how it sets up, how the rest of the season is going to run in a more immediate way, I think, than Across the Sea does. All right. Well, uh, Across the Sea is over. LAX coming your way next week, coming out next week. Uh, get your feedback in down the hatch at postshowrecaps.com is the way to get the feedback in. We are going to be recording this podcast, I believe. Mike, we had said uh, we're going to record that on uh, September 14th. So get that feedback in by September 13th, 2021 for LA SpaceX. That's where we are blasting off. So you can, of course, also talk to us on the Twitter bots. I'm at Rand Howard. Mike is at a Mike Bloom type. Or if you are so inclined to join us in the Post Show Recaps patron program, join your fellow hatchlings, so many of them who are in here in the Post Show Recaps patron discord, the chat room service where you could meet all sorts of incredible people do live watches with us here for that final season. It's patreon.com slash recaps. If you are able to join us, we certainly appreciate you either way, uh, whether or not you are able to make it into the Patreon. Uh, we just love that you're along for the journey and you have empowered us to talk about so much lost nonsense for so long. Now, more lost nonsense coming your way next week with LAX and season six proper finally premiering. Till then, everybody, take care. Bye-bye.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.